Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. How are well, we lads? How's things? Have a good weekend, JP? Yeah, it was lovely weather. So it was really nice being out and about. It felt like, you know, a dangerous return to normality. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was really nice. What about yourselves? Good one. Good. Enjoying the sun. A couple of bit. Saw you in a beer garden on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, in the... Through Instagram. That sounds a bit black mirror but um, <laughs> yeah you look like you're having a couple of pints at what was it the black lodge well, the place was called the black lodge i was gonna say yeah so there's a yeah it's got it's a, a stalkery on my <laughs> park, so. i know yeah when you're gonna turn off uh, we're, we're getting used to liverpool for uh for tnt hopefully in june we're gonna uh, yes. convince you to come up jp but yeah it's just nice being out in the the sun and uh enjoying a few beers and such how about you gareth how are you mate yeah, not too bad. Same, really. It was just uh, just nice to have a bit of sun. Didn't get up too much. Uh, went and seen the lad in a four-four draw on Sunday morning. That was the, oh, I... the real grassroots. The real grassroots of football there. Uh, none of this Euro- Europa League or not Europa League, Su- European Super League business. It was uh, yeah, seeing the uh, seeing the kids and the kids in the park playing to playing to win, playing for the love of the, love of the game. That was what it was all about. And That's a, crack, a cracking four-all draw. Wasn't it? That's not what I've heard. I've heard like you know those under eleven leagues. They're they're thinking of joining in a general northwest league and just <laughs> oh, leaving really? all the ones around Merseyside. <laughs> Your there, son's forming the breakaway, mate. Yeah, he's he's convincing <laughs> the players is what he's doing. So, oh well, if there's if there's a few quid in it, I don't know if, if it's uh, if it's coming to him, I might change my mind and uh, I, might, <laughs> I might go with it. <laughs> well, look at you, Florentino Perez. <laughs> <laughs> no fights on the touchline with any other dads or anything, Gareth. Is it not like that? No. Mm-hmm. No, no, it was a, uh, it was it not, it hasn't been too bad this season. There, there used to be like one lad who played on our team, and his dad was just proper like massive aggro head, and he was just like kicking off on his son all the time, and kicking off on all the opposition players all the time. He was this proper big like six foot five bloke, who to be fair, he, he was pretty fucking scary. And then one one week, the opposition coach like took offense to some of the stuff he'd been shouting out and he was like another six foot five bloke so he came piling around and I was just fucking caught in between these two like massive blokes who were just like angrily going for a scrap with each other at an under nines football game so that was an entertaining start of my Sunday that day anyway <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> have you not got the lads into like League of Ireland or anything like that JP did you not have any have you got any stories of like trying to get them to is that not like an amateur league around Oxford way or anything you could have got them into over the what years you know my- I know it sounds a bit weird. My, my son plays cricket for his school, which oh. is like there's there's no kick off for that, oh. and and that's probably where where this good school is it? Died. No, it isn't. Like before you think of it, he didn't go to one of those fucking Harry Potter ones in the centre of Oxford. I mean, it's what it sounds like boys. if he play cricket. No, I mean, he doesn't. It, it's it's just that they've got sports facilities that are normally also kind of rented out. It's the, mm. it's an Oxford municipal thing. Don't worry about it, but but yeah, they um. Like the eldest now is just laughing at Arsenal. Mm. Uh, like he's at that point already. I was like, oh, God, it took me to 42 to do that. He's 16. And he's just like, oh, fuck these lot. So, yeah. Um, might have to start going back to watch Oxford some more. Like they're more worthy of my money. Mm. Even if the stadium is a fucking, it, it's, it's, a, it's ridiculous. And it's stuck in the middle of nowhere. It's also when I went to watch Tenet and that was shite. But, um, one thing I would recommend you lads watch oh. if you do get a chance the main card from UFC oh. it was fucking mental was that mental. on Saturday I didn't even know like we, we recorded um, 
But you call it a movie for a flashback on Saturday for the WX, mm-hmm. SX. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I went off and you recommended me to go off and watch um, the BBC hip hop documentary and the Tupac documentary yeah. that was on. I was watching that, JP. I didn't have time for this UFC nonsense. It's a good recommendation, though. I appreciate it. It was uh, Top of the Pops with um, it was like it was like hip hop through the 90s or, or just through, through time on BBC. And it'd be like Public Enemy on Top of the Pops or the best Vanilla Ice on Wogan. And like you had like all these like British teenage girls singing along to Vanilla Ice and Terry Wogan trying to look like he's impressed. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> For the known UFC was on after the JP, I might have stayed up. I didn't even know it was on. Oh God. It's made me think like, you know, you could have had, I don't know, Kenny Everett introducing NWA on top of the box or something like that. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It just felt like a brilliant kind of clip show like that. <laughs> <laughs> I we've um, met a lot of rappers over the years. It's like that. Have you, well, have you ever seen that random picture, Gareth, where it's like Ian Rush with Rizza and Jizza from the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just like no one in this picture has any idea who the other guy in this picture is. Like I'll have to, I'll have to dig around somewhere. <laughs> it's just like, I wonder who set that photo up. Nobody asked each other for it. There's no way Ian Rush was like, "Hey Rizza, can I get a photo?" And there's no way Rizza asked Ian Rush. So, yeah, I, I but, thought you were gonna. I thought you were going somewhere else there because my mind was on Radio One DJs, and I thought you were gonna say, "Have you seen that?" picture Jimmy Savile, Frank Bruno and Peter Sutcliffe equally as obscure as Ian Rush in the Wu-Tang Club Bruno looks good in that photo doesn't he at least to be fair to him <laughs> but did Ian Rush have VIP passes to watch Wu-Tang in Liverpool What's that? like it, I mean and he said yes so like which would suggest he listens to it now from everything i think about ian rush i always kind of come back to the to the the comment that's sort of falsely attributed to him about going to juventus and saying it's like living in a foreign country um it's just it's 80s footballer summed up in a in a phrase I'm just thinking about there. There's no way in those um, shoot magazine, like the little player profiles where they used to say like what the favourite dinner was and the favourite drink and things like that. There's no way his favourite music was Wu-Tang. It was Simple Minds or something like that. Or Phil Collins, definitely. Mate, it, was all, Phil it, was Collins. Always, it was always Phil Collins and Simple Minds. Phil Collins, steak and chips, only fools and horses. <laughs> yeah. Those are the answers. Particularly if your name was Clive Allen or you were a member of the Allen family. There we go. Um, what? For video viewers, you got me on the Liverpool F- FC website here. There they are. It's not Rizzo, sorry. It's Jizzer and Inspector Dak at Ian Rush. Who asked for this photo? I'll try to read the story now. Ian Rush hangs with the Wu-Tang. Former Ian Rush. There we go. Forming, it was in Oslo. Was former striker what? Ian Rush found out when he met members of the well-respected hip-hop group, the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Apparently they were in a bar together. There you go. That's a gang of lads that you never right. thought would exist. It wasn't Ian Rush goes to Oslo to watch the Wu-Katang clan, which is so much more of a better story because that suggests he's proper hardcore. I mean, I thought that story about Pat Nevin bunking off a Chelsea reserves game to watch the Cocteau twins was like a great story, but that would have just beaten anything else. Does, uh, does Ian Rush just walk around with a Liverpool shirt in his know. pocket to just walk <laughs> Sean's in the scenarios. chat. That's, that's a two-year-old shirt. Where, where'd they come from? <laughs> Apologies if you're non-patron. You, you you have to you have to see this image. It's very odd. I mean, it'll be in the show images. Don't worry, audio listeners. It will. Um, <laughs> is that Ian Rush is really not like he's just like these boys are Liverpool fans, and that's the end of it. Like, <laughs> so there you go. Sorry, JP, you were about to talk UFC like, before I uh, railroaded. For next year, no, no, I won't do it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, UFC. Um, 
UFC was mental. It was absolutely berserk. It was like basically quick finishes and horrific injuries, um, which they then proceeded to retweet. So I don't know if you... Do you remember the Anderson Silver leg break? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened to the guy. Palmer. Yep. Um, it was it was Weidman who ended up doing it this time. Um, and I'd imagine that's the end of his career, which is just absolutely horrific. And in the first round, there was another guy who got kicked in the knee and they had to end it. And then it was just like shocking knockouts, pretty much. Just like like in in the in the big title matches were all kind of like there was one of them, it was Rose Nama Yunus. And it, and the thing is, it was the biggest super spreader event of all time. It was fifteen thousand, barely a fucker with a mask on. Just a load of people going, It's over. We just declare the virus is over and we're gonna have a UFC event. And fuck it, it's over. It's it's just, it was it was so I can't imagine what's going to happen here because it's very much not over in the states still. What was it, what was it like watching it with the crowd like that? Did it just feel normal or did it feel a bit odd because of it? It felt odd at first, and then it felt like you're watching a kind of classic event because when Rose Namajunas did like the kind of shock out, and it's particularly because, like you know, she has this whole she gets very very sort of emotional when she fights in these big fights anyway and it was so shocking that the crowd went berserk and just exploded for it It was the kind of thing that they had really paid to see like american challenger defeats chinese champion for a belt in the first round with a hot with a with a great um head kick and they just sort of went berserk and people are going to do that. Like, you know, these, uh, it made you think as well, the first wrestling shows that do this, because it was interesting on the same weekend, Daly's place actually had a, um, I think it was Machine Gun Kelly played there and it was sold out. And that was co-promoted by Dana White and the Khans. But because it's open air, it, they, it, it's slightly less dangerous, but still it was 5,300, which then makes you think, when are AEW going to think about doing that? as well um but yeah it was a mental card just full of big fucking matches sorry i was gonna say like i went the, would you even sit next to someone if, if you if you if that's the yeah. setup like i don't know if i would like i went to the pub at the weekend like i said i mean mate brought his brother who i you know i know very vaguely well but like we ended up sat next to each other and we were both kind of side-eyeing each other like this is a bit close this, isn't it? <laughs> like, neither of us said anything but we were both like hmm, don't know about this <laughs> like if that bothers me i don't know if i could sit in a stadium like that like I thought it was in the League Cup final at the weekend when when I was when there was you knew there was fans going to be at the game, but I just they were just so close to each other and on on top of each other. I was thinking that it was going to be all be like dead spaced out, like there was going to be you know three four seats between them or things like that. But they were all like clusters, and it, it just mm. felt felt a bit odd and felt a bit weird when I was watching that game. Oh, and by the way, Jake Paul, the greatest heel in all of ent- <laughs> of, of all of sports entertainment because let's face it that's what those trilla shows are aren't they yeah They're sports entertainment there's another one coming um, up tim there is mm. and they had jake paul he'd said some stuff about daniel cormier who walked over at one point it was caught on social media and started giving him shit and then said something about him because he was calling him overweight and all manner was it of aware things. you have to think so because cormier is effectively mm. yes because cormier's finished like from fighting mm. he's he's done that it's commentary he doesn't have to lose weight, but he's naturally bigger than Jake Paul. Mm. It'll be a much bigger purse than mm. what Askren got. You'd be talking, you could go up to sort of a couple of million for it. Mm. Um, 
and I I could see him doing it. It's enough of a big name, and Cormier isn't. Well, what's Cormier name? It must be like 43, 44. Like, I, I couldn't help but feel it's a work. Mm. Is this to box or is this for an MMA fight? This would be for boxing. Yeah, right, like, I was going to say. Yeah, for Cormier is the man, then it'd be an MMA fight. I did see that today. Cormier wants it to be an MMA fight, but like, I think that's just posturing, is it not? Maybe on the next trailer. With a, yeah. who's on that? Isn't Eubank on that or something? Like, I don't know Eubank. Not Eubank. About Holyfield, isn't it? Is Holyfield's on it? See, that's how much yes. I know about boxing. Sorry, Will. And the Holyfield versus <laughs> Kevin McBride, who was the quite a couple Irish of get mixed up. <laughs> yeah, he knocked out Mike Tyson in the last, at the end of his big run as mm. well. And Oscar De La Hoya is coming back mm. in a shocking decision. <laughs> he was acting the cunt on that show as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, the UFC show was just weird. It was like a, it was like a, an absolute loop. But the thing to notice really from like the crowds is, and the fact it's in Florida it makes you think this is starting up again very, very soon because they sold 21,000 to Houston. They're just running shows now mm. and they don't care where it is. There'll be some states will go, no, no, don't you running it yet. And it's like, oh, fine, we'll go back to Florida. We can just do whatever we want. Mm. Um, but yeah, Anything goes. very weird. Oh. Well, there's your UFC reports, everyone. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I wasn't going to go fucking move for move. I mean, <laughs> as I said for Gareth, I mean, like, right, if you want, pro- like, kind of professional wrestling MMA, then I'd suggest Rising in mm. Japan because it's, like, that's closer to the kind of that that stuff. But, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, you. No, I'm very surprised by both of you. I would have thought, like, one of you just would have put it on just having on the BT Sport app. I, I, was, I, I, I used to be... I used to be massively into the UFC and it, they just killed it for me when they done some of the WWE and they just oversaturated it when they introduced all those additional weight divisions and then suddenly it was on every week as opposed to like once a month and things like that. It just got too much. Like I, I used to enjoy it when it was, I don't know, you'd, you'd pick some fighters that you liked and you kind of almost like went on that journey through with them and things, whereas suddenly mm-hmm. I then had to suddenly know who 300 fighters were instead of knowing mm-hmm. who like 70 fighters were or something like that. And it just, they just lost me with that when, when it just became more about content and just dry, you know, just... Mm-hmm bang 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 drive them as much out as they could and then you know probably mm. similar you know similar similar thing with WWE really then it sort of feels like it matters less I think when 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 that becomes the case but I'll still like my, my mate's massively into it so like I say he texted me about this and was like you've got to watch that main card so I know I will this week when I, when there's something on like this that's like a really good show I'll definitely uh, definitely tune in and watch it but um, it's a short yeah. watch mate if you avoid yeah. I think in terms of minutes in the ring like thriller. Might... same thing eh? oh, it's like <laughs> about 13 minutes of action on a three on a three hour card like which actually like bell rings because just shit ended in the first round it's like okay I, I might be underestimating it might be somewhere in the region of like 20 odd minutes but it's mm. not much more than that i think the first ufc i went to see live there was about five or six like you know first round knockouts or first round submissions and it was just like oh, bang, bang 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 like right through it was it was fucking awesome and then it was just like next <laughs> roll somebody out like <laughs> roll somebody else out to get fucking KO'd it was absolutely uh, absolutely quality stuff and I think that was it when it was a, when it was a bit earlier on as well when mm. they weren't as like well matched and that people weren't as well rounded oh yeah so when you add it when you add in those days it was you know when it was a you know, somebody who was a better striker up against a better grappler and things, then somebody was going to get done with, beat with like a mad submission or someone was going to get KO'd. And I think once everybody started to, you know, 
be at least seven out of ten in everything. Then again, it sort of went a bit stale for me as well mm. with with that. Really, when it, I don't know, it felt like every card I watched went to a bloody time limit draw or something like that. So it's refreshing to hear that there was a load of a uh, load of short high impact um, submissions and knockouts but uh, yeah not so much that injury that's one of them where when you see that uh, leg breaks like that and then when you see I think you see I it when you see it go but then, but then when you see them land on the foot that's just gone then my god that just makes me want to throw up like it's uh, sick isn't it but you still watch mm. <laughs> Dana White retweeted it like the injury and it's like in all set like his career is over like he was hitting the tail end of his career anyway Weidman right like, but like this is something that you just can't see him coming back from. It's like, you, you, do you retweet? Who wants to see that again? Unfortunately, the crowd were fully in there. Like when they could tell they were replaying it on the screen, all you could is <gasps> like kind of reaction to it, just like gigantic. It was it was almost panto esque. Mm. That was the weirdest thing about that. Mm. While you're watching a horrific injury. Saying that though, it's like the Sid one, isn't it? Like, oh, gotta be honest, when that happened, I must have watched that video a million times and rewound it back and played it again. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that just says something about me. Mate, you just but... got a stronger stomach. <laughs> Death match, Benno. <laughs> that's where it was born. Jeez. That's what it was in WCW. <laughs> you didn't give a shit. You laugh at these lads. You'd have oh. given anything to be stood by one of those cars when the lads in CZW were jumping off and back in the day through fucking. <laughs> Pains of glass. <laughs> Look, we all like degrees of violence. Just we've all got different lines in the sand. If you're True. a wrestling fan, if you're an MMA, I always think that about MMA though. Like there's gonna come a point in like 30 years where like our kids are gonna be like, You watched what? They just punched each other in the head and they all had concussions <laughs> and they were all fucked up and it was just fine. I was like, Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what we did back in the day. Because it was always the way, like I always think that when you watch like um like I'm sure there's multiple like futuristic films where like the sports the future was always going to be UFC like always going to be some form of like barbaric cage fighting that's what we as a society we're always Mm. gonna devolve into and we're just like yeah it's fine whatever in wrestling like ooh gotta ban head drops cause you know concussions but UFC it's like yeah punch him in the head no worries that's fine either that or speedball <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all that, all that one. That, do you see that one? Martin put the gif of on Twitter the, today, where it was like, ba- do you know, it was like basketball with like, trampolines. Like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it looked amazing. Like, I want to watch this sport. <laughs> it was like a loads of trampoline setup and people doing like alley oops and stuff off um, off trampolines. Oh, you got to see it. it's fucking ridiculous. You'd like, easily like miss the hoops. No, you'd have to kind of like make them bigger as well. Just some, to, like, yeah, some ankles looked like they were getting broken in that sport. It looked full contact yeah. as well. Mate, the margin for error for that. I mean, you'd have some hilarious slash, like, oh, the, the kind of level of injuries you'd mm. get off that. Mm. I do want to see it now. You said this, though. <laughs> we'll bring intrigued it by this. Trampoline basketball, we'll bring it, it back. Trampoline wrestling, it, that's mate, what you should have. Like the it brings me back to a, a happy time when you mentioned those sports of early morning, Saturday, Channel 4. Mm. Like, let's we've got a load of nonsense sport. That's what we need. Trans world sport. Back Bring it back. <laughs> Fucking covered this shit. Uh, yeah. So I'm just watching, I'm, watching, I'm, I'm watching this clip now. This is immense. <laughs> it's trampolining. It's trampoline basketball. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Go and have a look at at Bushby01 on Twitter and uh, yeah, mm. have a look at this trampoline um, clips. This is amazing. Most sports will be improved by adding a trampoline. I think I think I think, we're, I think wrestling should be leaning into this trope. Slam ball, uh, apparently it's called. Used to be shown on Trouble the last... in the 80s. I remember Trouble. I don't remember Slam Ball being on it though. Trouble that free channel. It was like the, the Nickelodeon for teenagers, and it had like California Dreams and shows like that on. 
was it much cop? I'd like that. What was that LL Cool J one that was a complete rip off of um, of um, what you call it, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Those type of shows. It was probably a bit after your time, JP. Yeah, I was going to say I was, I was at work when this was on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I was. You mentioned trampolining. Trampoline. That, that, that could be the one. Was the GCW backyard show? Did that not have the one that Janella set up? Oh with yeah, Tony that. Depp and Alex Zane. That that used trampolines, and that's what got Zane over, wasn't it? Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, because I've just seen it mentioned in the chat, and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, LL Cool J, good lad. <laughs> also on Martin's feed here, he's got this. He's got a great clip here, and it's just Kevin Nash walking to the ring, drinking beer. <laughs> Flipping off Goldberg, <laughs> oh, destroy, destroying Goldberg and Steiner, and then drinking beer on the way out. Oh, <laughs> Just good lad! On your face. Oh. Yeah, like that was I bad though at the time because, like, I remember that distinctly happening, and it was like Nash had just been drinking backstage. Bear in mind, they were trying to get Booker T over. It was like this big baby face. And if you watch the clip the entire way, Booker T's just stood there, not knowing what's going on, and he just has to stand there with his own balls in his hands, like. All right, then Kevin Nash just beats all everyone and then just left with a beer, and I'm still stood here. Okay, then. <laughs> uh, I love it. We, we've, we've been reminded by Sarah that uh, from Alan Farrell mm-hmm. um, that he says that they had trampolines in wrestling in France in the 50s. Oh, yeah, I've seen those clips. Like, yeah, the high spots. They're the ones yeah. that wheel out when, when people are like, oh, there's too many high spots in wrestling. Well, it's been going on a long time. They went from Roland Barthes' analysis of wrestling and mm. semiotics to trampolines within, like, 20 years. That's a fucking turn, isn't it? <laughs> it's like whoever, like, um, Vincent Le Mignon came in and just decided, right, I'm with sports entertaining the fuck out of this. Let's get some trampolines in. <laughs> it's wild shit. Sorry, that's probably deeply offensive. Yeah. It's the same thing though. Like if I like as a kid went to like a party or anything, there was a like or like went somewhere where there was trampolines, or you went to your mates and they had happened to have a bouncy castle in the backyard. It was just an excuse to have a wrestle, wasn't it? Like what else were you gonna do? (laughs) You were gonna have a wrestle. Even when I was like twenty five, and one of my mates ran a company, and every time we'd have like something in someone's garden, the summer, like go on, mate, get the uh, get the get the bouncy castle in. Come on, we'll have a we'll all act like we're twelve again, and we'd still be doing wrestling moves. So you know, get the bouncy castle in. Yeah. Oh, I remember lying to him once. Well. I was like, "Oh, can you get? Can you get it?" It was my mate Ashley. I was like, "Oh, can you get it? Get it like tonight for like this party we're having?" And he's like, "Oh no, I can't be asked, mate. I can't be asked getting out the van." I was like, "Oh, but it's my birthday, you know. It's like a birthday thing." And he was like, oh, "Okay, he got it." And then he brought it. And I was like, "Yeah, my birthday was in June, mate. Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> but we had the good old wrestle. It was a good time. <laughs> it's a bit like Phoenix Knights, isn't it? Sammy Snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Liam mentions uh, Matt Rat, yeah, that Canadian promotion with uh, with Teddy yeah. Teddy Hart and uh, TJ Wilson, and I think they had all of that like springboard turnbuckles and yeah, because that Matt Rat was the one you well, you were trying to think of when we were talking JP on uh, right. Society X about one of the weird Bischoff ideas. Like he he was banging to that. I remember that being a news story during the rounds loads. It is, isn't it? And it was all the Canadian lads as well. Mm. Like I'm surprised Wrestling Society X didn't go for it. I mean, they would have had to put some very bad CGI explosions around the trampoline as they went through. They have a barbed wire trampoline <laughs> that youth suicide goes on to. Yeah. Deathmatch legend. <laughs> Do we know who um, he is yet from doing that room? No. Still don't know who he is. No <laughs> They idea. act like he's a big name in wrestling society experts. 
It's like youth suicide. It's like, talking about fucking New Jack's over here. Chris Hamrick's yeah. a better star, a bigger star than bloody youth suicide. He comes out last for that rumble, doesn't he? He's like the, <laughs> the big name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And my God, it's underwhelming. Oh. Although the crowd sweetening would tell you otherwise. Mm. It's like the people were going fucking berserk as they cut through to the same couple of models that were on there as well. I'll tell you, mate, that, that oh. 15-year-old crowd sweetening was better than the crowd sweetening I saw on some shows this weekend, so. There's a lot modern wrestling can learn from uh, yes. Wrestling Society X. Um, but that was a good time, wasn't it? I enjoyed like I enjoyed yes. doing that review and getting it. I was like, I, I feel like I could have talked Amazing. another four hours about Wrestling Society X. There's just so much there, isn't there? What a show! So much fucking fun. I just mm. like I just had the time, just time of my life watching that last week. It was just mm. it was just brilliant. Just for just something for just a bit of like pulp entertainment that was just absolutely fucking wild, but with some great stuff in there and just some totally just bizarre ideas that you know. Again, in the world of wrestling, where you think you've seen everything, mm. <laughs> not until you've watched Wrestling Society X, it was a uh, it was absolutely class. So yeah, big thanks to Carl for recommending that one because absolutely loved it. Certainly enjoyed it more than squeezing MLW in today. <laughs> <laughs> if you missed our pre-show there were free shots of JP on but apparently didn't watch MLW everyone but me and Gareth did so we'll talk about that later um, every once in a while just throw that in no, I'm not watching it you lads can do it um, no I want to say about Wrestling Site X just mm. um, it was it was so much fun I mean I would suggest to anyone if you've got the time mm. to have uh, an episode of Raw in your life you've got the time to sit through all 10 episodes of this back to back because um if you thought WWE booking went fast at times, things escalate in Wrestling Society X very quickly. Mm. And, you know, when you've got a, your, your final unaired episode, is a is it a Piranha Tank match? Yep. And, um, yep, with the, their version of uh, Wiley Coyote Chaos, who just gets himself <laughs> fucked over once every two weeks. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so here he is going through a table and then bollocking him. And the other lad's just going, Mama Citas and Sylvester's. It's <laughs> glorious. There'll never be a better gimmick match name than Tables, Ladders and Sylvester's. I was giggling about that for like 10 more minutes yeah. after that happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, a great watch. Like I Again, same as you. It's time of my life watching it. A great time chatting about it. Like obviously, cheap plug mm. on our Patreon uh, this week, our flashback uh, full review of the entire series. But if you haven't seen it, it's literally on YouTube as well. So just go watch it. Um, it's completely worth 20 minutes an episode. Yeah, there you Easy. go. You'll hammer it out in uh, in no time and you'll get to see a wrestling promotion that's got New Jack, Vampiro, Matt Seidel, Jack Evans, and yeah, they're all in like this weird melting pot of, like, of talent. It's the, it's the strangest thing. Human Tornado is the biggest wrestling star in the world if you watch this thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a different world and it's, it's what could have been uh, is the thing with that. So yeah, like you said, shout out to Carl for... Uh, Yoshino. Oh, God, yeah, and the Dragon Gate guys are on there just randomly. It's yeah. just like, what? <laughs> Yoshino and, and Horiguchi being yeah. brainwashed. Well, it's not being brainwashed, being just starved. Reprogrammed. Mm. Yeah, re- they were like wrestling's Terry <laughs> Waite, weren't they? They were just like fucking handcuffed to a radiator, weren't they? <laughs> just not allowed to fucking eat. Oh. It was, wasn't it? But no, I, I tell you, who's the other bloke who got kidnapped with him? Oh, um, oh, I can't remember. But like, like you said, though, it was over the course of like Sorry. it was like episode six, and then by episode eight, they were out again. It was just like okay, <laughs> and then they were involved in an exploding 
time exploding cage match. match yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> the, the purpose of which is you have to climb the cage and hit like a big lever, like hit the big red button, <laughs> and then get out of the cage before it explodes. Yeah. And to be fair, the explosion was much better than the explosion we saw on AW. So yeah, oh. they had that going for them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's suggested to everyone get a chance mm. to watch it. Watch it. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, like I say, you can check our review of that on our on our Patreon. You all know where it is. It's Grapple on Patreon, patreon.com slash grapple. But it's not the only thing we put up there this week. Cheap plug as well. Got a reference that we threw up. Uh, I managed to get my hands on the uh, the archives of, uh, I was going to say Grapple Spotlight, but not really. Um, what was once known as British Wrestling Spotlight. <laughs> apparently, JP, apparently we used, to own a, we used to host a British wrestling podcast, me and you, um, mm. back in the day, um, on some website called The Indie Corner. You may all have uh, heard of, but yeah, I managed to uh, pull those uh, those episodes that I thought were were gone forever um, and uploaded them as an archive for uh, for all our patrons, uh, no matter what level. Um, and it, it's been good to see. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people going through and, uh, and downloading those ones, mostly the incinerary ones that are to do with progress, like it's got progress in the title that seems to be on people download i don't know what we did when it comes to progress in 2017 apparently we had some notable episodes i don't know um but yeah i have a fucking i have a fun trip down memory lane but i'm to be honest i'm scared to go back and listen to too much of it i am mm. it's it, it's too much it's too much looking into like where we it was a very different landscape in british wrestling in 2017 wasn't it mm. where very mild we thought it I, we did, didn't we? Like, you want to talk about people like buying the fucking Kool Aid, and we we say it's like, well, we were in there hook, line, and sinker, weren't we? Yeah. As we get through our classic crusty episodes of us reviewing, as I'll always say, the Chris, the, the Chris Travis Memorial Tag Team Tournament and Attack. Straight laced, bad audio quality. How close we came to not podcasting again after that one. That was episode two, <laughs> and yes. believe it or not, we were monthly with inverted commas because like it'd be when we could ever get around to getting me you and joe in the same well not the same place but yeah in the same availability to do a podcast and then like yeah after that attack one we were all like hmm don't know about this podcast unlock and spent like two months dilly dallying around doing another podcast and luckily we came back and we did one and we changed the format um and we that's what spotlight meant back in the day it was we were going to spotlight a different promotion every month and you forget about that attack one jp i think the other thing that killed us about it is we had to record it twice because we lost the uh recording the first time we did it as well fucking rank amateurs did you imagine that today oh i just give up like, well, i just feel like spotlight's we... not on this week everyone sorry well it's dead isn't it it's a promotion it's gone <laughs> effectively oh attack sorry i thought you meant recording again after uh, losing the fire (laughs) (laughs) oh mate yeah Mm. there's it's it's a scary look down memory lane sorry i I, I, I was howling just listen like listening to that first episode like just listening to benno with his best professional work voice on and he says i sound more scousing than that i don't think i do oh no i thought on that first one you you proper you you Really trying to sound like professional audio host kind of thing. And Do I sound like it. Michael Owen? One of my mates said I sounded like Michael Owen. That's when I stopped doing that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah, there's a bit, a bit of a crossover there. But even just listening to JP, just uh, the same. Just well, and especially Joe, he's mm. just been on your best behaviour and yeah. he's just talking, Don't want to talking upset very, very well and professionally and nice and laughing along at each other's jokes and things like that in a in, in, in a just sort of playing along kind of way as opposed to genuinely pissing yourself about certain things and stuff oh it was oh, God. oh brilliant I, I, had a, I had a lot of fun listening to that first episode oh it's a terrifying <laughs> thought yeah high stakes 2017 that was the uh, the first review i even i've said to use off i even went in 
I was that like the attention to detail was there on that that is not on these episodes that I'm sure everyone can tell these days because I'd go in and I'd literally edit out like the ums and the airs or like if if I kept saying the word like all of the time or whatever you know the different verbal uh, ticks we've all got I'd go through and edit it all down that that was what I'd do after every episode and like it'd take like three weeks for the thing to come out Uh, yeah none of that quality control anymore sorry everyone (laughs) Oh, it's, it's too scary. And, and the thing that caused the controversy, mm. when you listen back to the Road to Ali Pali show. I did actually listen to it better, though. What did you think of that? Because I thought we were perfectly reasonable. Yeah. And well, kind of wary about the direction they were going in. It's funny because, like, Spoiler that. Ep- alert, we were right. That episode, like, we, we again, we were drinking the Progress Kool Aid, I think, you know, early to mm. it, 2017. But, you know, as soon as, like, the Cruiserweight Classic happened and stuff, we were probably uh, on our way out as far as progress fans go and i remember recording that episode and just because we to me i thought we were really negative and sometimes when you do a pot like i always say that when we finish our podcast here i'll go to bed like hyped sometimes and you can't get back to sleep you can't get to sleep then can you um mm. or, but then there's some episodes like that one where it felt like a really negative episode i just remember going to bed thinking i'm not sure that was good you know felt really like down about the episode to the point where i didn't do an episode image i didn't do any episode notes i just uploaded it and just thought fuck it and then i got up in the morning and like yeah, to an ex- to 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 what our numbers were back then, it felt like you know it was ten times as uh, as popular as anything else we'd done, and like it struck a nerve with everyone that we were saying these forbidden things about progress. Um, I just remember, yeah, waking up and seeing I think it was Rovert or someone or Frey or someone who'd retweeted it, and it had just gone crazy while I'd been asleep, and it was like coincidentally the the episode that put the least effort into doing any editing for or or even getting ready for public consumption but it seemed to be the one that we were known for it was funny though because i was saying to you the other day like when i was listening to you back then mm-hmm. then it was that that was the thing that was good about it was the, that you were balanced and if something was good you would say it was good and then if something was shit you would you know, you would say it was shit and you were like, it was something that you were saying that other people weren't saying, you know, everyone was just going on the whole sugar-coated, just, you know, to mm. the party line and just say everything is awesome and all that kind of thing. And look what kind of uh, problems that gets people into. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of them. I think that so many of the points as well that, you, that come out of things like that, that ultimately they're validated where you're like picking holes in the booking or you're picking holes in the, you know, the, way that certain things are done and things like that and you know lo and behold you know a year later two years later more and more people were saying the same so yeah mm. give yourselves a pat on the back lads i did see in the chat earlier on a couple of things i'm quoted of saying is uh, one of the things is i don't do star ratings it's like well, you do now. is that what you said i fucking <laughs> all, all, all hail my uh star rating overlord well we saw that didn't we <laughs> by the bottom of the screen <laughs> We did. We sold. We sold out to star ratings. Like we we fucking undersold ourselves, didn't we? Well, so you said as well, Gareth. Like we forget like how uh, like infrequent we were. Because to me, like that first year of podcast, I felt like I was doing a lot of work. Because I was doing obviously doing BWA at the same time as well. And like back then, it was a bit. It was a bit different because it was like I was literally talking about the same thing on both podcasts. Whereas now, like this podcast couldn't be any more dissimilar from BWA and the the other way around. But yeah, it feel it felt like we we did a lot of work. But you look back and yeah, we were barely monthly. So there was only got ten, twelve podcasts in that first year. You know, like you, you were saying gareth and you're like I, I met you like at some point during was during that first year during that first run i don't think you'd listen you had listened to the podcast at that point or whatever yeah i think it was like um I, 
I, I always thought that I that I'd started listening to it when I met you, and then mm. but then when I was looking at that show list there, I noticed that the the Sabu one was <laughs> two episodes before that uh, Progress Sheffield show where I met you at the snow show, and then like and then but I remember. I remember listening to that Sabootle show. Um, so then that's wild to me as well that that was, a, that was like your eighth ever episode that, yeah. that, you had, that, you, that you had done. But again, that was what I like. That, that, that was one of the things that was just bizarre at the time. I think, mm-hmm. like you say, the, the infrequency of it all kind of thing. It would just be one of the things where yeah. we were you amateurs. would just suddenly randomly, you'd, you'd randomly in the podcast feed and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's been three weeks since I've done a show and <laughs> randomly one pops up and then maybe four weeks later another one will randomly like, pop like. up in your feed or something like that. <laughs> Like yeah. it was all very, uh, it was all very uh, infrequent. But yeah, it was like a nice little easy, surprise. Yeah. Fit my lifestyle, yeah. I was going to say, JP, because it's like when we leave in the corner, uh, like at, at the very end, like there's a little file that you and Joe did, where it's it's amazing because it's like you're announcing we're leaving, and then coincidentally you're in work, and the fire alarm goes off, and you're having to like you shoot yeah. like needing to get out the building, but you're trying to finish this clip. <laughs> but you're literally saying that you're like, and you know, we're going to be weekly now every Monday on Grapple, so you know, no need for three hour podcasts anymore. Oh well. <laughs> that didn't go very well. <laughs> oh man! When I get it wrong, I get it spectacularly wrong. Because, like, if anything, it's just encouraged us mm. and these these terrible habits mm. and the, these 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 long entry these long opening segments that we uh, that we always do. <laughs> that's better this way though, because that's that was the thing, yeah. though, wasn't it? We'd like that's what timestamps are there for. Yeah, there you go. I always put them in for everyone. Yeah. Like, but like we we did like at the start spend so much time trying to be like a serious hard-nosed brit res podcast and i think it's just because we didn't feel confident talking stuff like out of our area or whatever and then slowly but surely you go through those episodes and it's like okay first like 11 or so are very brit res focused then we just randomly decide to do like a, a g1 review then we just randomly decide to do wrestlemania weekend then somehow we talk stew into letting us do an AEW review and then before you know the first hour of every podcast is allegedly off-topic talk but it's the actual stuff we want to talk about and then it'd be like two hours 40 minutes in so the progress review right yeah that progress show that happened this weekend let's talk about that we were just kidding ourselves i think to to a point which is like yeah we do we do i think we needed the, to move to grapple and needed oh, to, yeah. uh, to put the brit res stuff in the in the rear by the end of it because we were we definitely were in a brit res podcast by the end of all that we weren't and especially we wouldn't have been if we wanted to cover kamikaze <laughs> or just, just, just like or it, okay. story stories for behind the pay <laughs> yes and there were certain words we couldn't say too but anywho we'll get into that at, at some point <laughs> but no was it a fun, uh, fun trip down memory lane just even just <laughs> uh, no inside terms JP you can't be, be professional um, <laughs> what's I going to say like, you can walk <laughs> don't, don't slag off Frankie Slam. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was, you could... it was a very interesting it was a very interesting car ride we had from a Rev Pro show when you were going up to Black Hole. Uh, this was like, this was getting uh, this was getting thrashed out. But um, yeah, <laughs> some very interesting stories that yeah definitely need to be repeated behind the uh, paywall one day now. We'll tell one day, we will, we will. Um but, save yeah. the grappy hour. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, next Q and I throw them at us, and we'll uh, we'll answer anything. But yeah, they're all, again, they're all there for uh, for patrons. The uh, the entire archive. Like even got a a Rev Joe interview with Andy Quilden. That is a real thing that exists. The uh, the famous free paid mm-hmm. interview. Uh, the joke did Andy Kulat's in there. <laughs> Progress year in reviews, Brit Res year in reviews we did in uh, in combo with Martin. There's uh, there's all kinds there for uh, for everyone to oh. check out. Uh, so yeah, get that on. Martin there. kicking <laughs> off. I always enjoy that. 
like <laughs> get in the bin and it's just like Martin turns. Mm. <laughs> it just completely turns, doesn't it? It's fucking glorious. This country. Every reality. year. Every year he would do it. It was just like, man, it's just and you never pre- you can never quite predict it as well. <laughs> oh you cut <laughs> Patreon.com slash grapple for all that. But uh one other thing I'll I'll plug as well before we do move on to what's going on this week. Uh this week our bonus Patreon episodes. We're gonna be uh, debuting a new for a new format. We haven't come up with a name for it yet. It's basically match of the match, match of the day top ten ripped off uh, into a top five formula. We're going to put some uh, votes on the Patreon for for different uh, things we can do. Our our, t- our personal top fives of the uh, I think the front runners right now are best slash worst wrestling venues, um, best slash worst wrestling characters, uh, things of that nature. You know, we're biggest hard men in wrestling, biggest heels in wrestling. We'll uh, we'll be finalizing a, a a four best options, uh, maybe a five to fit in with the theme, and we'll put it to a poll to the patrons. So you've got that to look forward to this week weekend preview show as normal coming this friday as well as all of the uh, the other bonus stuff we've done including that wrestling society x review we've did but yeah getting all of that out the way and i suppose while we're on a on a bit of a brit res uh, point here and uh, you know will mentioned it in the chat before we started and we fortunately like last week we only really got to talk the you know the Brit Res APPG at the very end of the podcast. I don't think there's a huge amount to follow up on that, but you mentioned before the show, JP, you wanted to mention it that yeah, there was a uh, there was some Brit Res talk in uh, in Parliament this week. Um, did it did it change any of your thoughts on the on the APPG seeing a, a, a packed house of what two politicians and a Speaker of the House at the very end of the day? Almost like it's not important, yeah. isn't it? Uh, this, uh, this and it was an adjournment. Yeah. So it was just like a kind of, oh. it was basically the any other business at the mm. end of the day of, of Parliament. I mean, hearing it being raised mm. is in and of itself kind of novel. Mm. Unfortunately, if you want to get to the kind of crux of it, and it's a half, it's like half an hour of it or so. And I mean, there's also part of the reason that it's, it's not busy in areas is there are some MPs who aren't in there because of COVID reasons mm. and the rest. But still, like didn't look um, good, did it? Not it, good optics. No, it fit, but the, you know, it fit the Brit Rest aesthetic. Don't get me wrong. Didn't talk about speaking out. Like that's your kind of other thing as well. Speaking out is not really is not referenced in any meaningful way. When wrestling is brought up, immediately you can see the speaker of the house just like smiling and talking about how, um, like, ah, oh, my uh, one of my um, my former assistants who was in, involved in the in the in the writing of the report and it it was all done with a kind of smile on the face. Mm. And it was the case of, yeah, the arts council don't want to take us on and sport England don't want to take us on. It's like, okay, what you need to do is you need to talk to sport England. And it's like, mm. we just kind of said Dead that. So, yeah. 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 Um, and the APPG was always going to be kind of limited from it, but yeah, it, it wasn't something that kind of like filled you full of hope that, as people will know, long if you go through those uh, archives, you'll realise I'm not a fan of the t- of the Conservative Party in the UK, and I'm zero <laughs> faith that shower of shit are going to get anything sorted out in relation to just let the bodies the, pile up, JP. Come on, least of all fine. people. If this, trust me, if this was happening in opera, those fuckers would be all over this, wouldn't they? Mm, like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just vowels. It um, was. It was just a reminder to me of how, like, this is just going to fall on the... I don't mean to be, mean to be too negative. Like, it's going to fall on the too hard-to-do pile. Because I, I, I was watching it and going, yeah, you know, the fucking... 
I think Brian Elliott summed this up really well. Like Will did an incredible write up as well, and everyone yeah. should check out his uh, it could be said newsletter. Um, but Brian Elliott, of formerly of Fighting Spirit magazine, followed it up and was just like, as a former editor himself, he was like, it doesn't half scream out that this APPG report needed an editor. And so did this in Parliament because they're going on about oh oh SummerSlam happened in the UK once, and oh there was a Chris Benoit reference in there, and it was just it was just it was so like the tone of it was all over the place and i think that was yeah. the case for the report itself as well it never really focused down and you know since we recorded last now i managed to finish off the um the episode of the british wrestling experience where you know they, they were talking about that with you know with alan collins um about brit res needing to get its house in order and him kind of you know making clear well yeah you know this is not an issue special to brit res you know here are realistic things we can do and here are realistic things you can't expect and just listening to all of that, watching this in Parliament and also seeing the reaction, because it felt like felt like what I learned this week, and, and this was highlighted, I think, in Brian's uh, report on this all, was just how many people didn't read the APPG report. And I'm not even throwing shade at them, because the fucker was a million pages long and completely inaccessible, to be honest. Like, And the, 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 the issue we probably all wanted to read about, as Brian succinctly put, was speaking out. Which, as Will will always shout from the houses, was not the reason the APG was formed in the first place, but became the hot button issue. But it's kind of, it's not buried in there, but there's so much of the guff you've got to get through to do it. And it it's already a den of snakes and a complicated well to wade through and work out. But like this report was so layered with so many other things in it that it just made me think, especially watching this part, you know, this on, on BBC Parliament and hearing them basically be like yeah yeah there's a lot to consider there oh yeah we yeah there's a you know there's almost too much you know it's, a, it's too broad a subject for anyone to really do any practical work all i want at this point is like take those take the points that are in there about treating training schools like a sport let's just use that as a starting point like that is mm. so clearly the thing that needs doing like that's so that is so like just you know we we started this podcast talking about you know uh, gareth's you know gareth's son playing football and all the you know People who have to train kids playing football have to get, you know, enhanced DBS checks, and you know, there's all kinds of safeguards in those kind of type of worlds. Like, let's just do, let's at least let's just do that. Let's what this APG report is lacking. I think it's by its very nature, and what the discourse surrounding it is lacking is actual, real, legitimate, concrete things we can do. And I've just kind of spent the last week feeling quite negative on it now because i'm looking at it going it's going to get put in the too hard to do pile there's too much that it's trying to cover there's too much you know frac fraction within brit res in general can we not just focus on like something you know discernible we can do? do will we have to throw our hands up and be like listen we can't as horrible as it is all of the abuses that have happened in brit res there's very little we can do about the promotions considering you know that that's all the different types of promotions we've got in this country there's very little we can do about show days when some companies might run once or twice twice a year they're going to run under the radar and there isn't a huge amount you can do the one thing you actually can do is police the schools and have some form of you know some form of rules and regulations surrounding training children and not even if it's a case of as Joe Lanza's got in trouble for saying in the past, just don't let kids train. Full stop. You can't train wrestling till you're 18. Mm -hmm. It's too intensive. The concuss there's concussion risk. You know, you're training with adults. You can't do it. 
or you can do it but it has to you know for a school to accept children to it it has to fit all of these different safeguards and it has to have all of these rules as a as a as a minimum and as a, like an achievable goal can we not prioritize that without you know saying the rest of the concerns aren't true aren't, aren't there and they are and they should be tackled can we start with something realistic because to me it feels like we've started so broad that actually nothing's going to happen yeah, and I think that was like when we talked about it last week, that was one of the main things that I thought from, you know, the the the, the part of the report that I'd seen was was almost that like so what that and next kind of element. And yeah. that was that was the thing that was that, that was lacking really. And I, I think that was the one almost thing to 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 grab hold of and like stand on to was this this idea of okay, well, yeah, that actually just does seem like kind of some tangible suggestion to take forward with this split split classification of pro wrestling you know mixing the, the shows and the and the and, and the train the training and classifying them in a different way and then at least getting um the ability to regulate them in in in, in different ways as as they should be that felt like something like yeah that's actually probably a quick and easy easy win to 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 do something like that and then at least it would bring that element of um um, safety and accountability into the into the training side of things now um then obviously i've you know subsequently read things that you know reference the amateur british wrestling has in you know real grappling you know been you know very opposed to it coming under under that umbrella i think no, that was it. you know you've you, you know and, and, and again it's this it's this like sort of unwanted child at the end of the day isn't it that nobody wants to take wrestling under their under their wing so then it comes back to this point of it then happen to something be something that then needs to be you know established and regulated from within and god we all know what wrestling's like god they can't even share rings and things like that never mind get the house in order about things things like this you know i i, I have to say i mean you referenced you know you were talking about um brian's article there and you touched upon will's article i you know i just give a just a more solid shout out to that really you know if you go on will's twitter at will cooling and you know the links there to his you know it could be said dot substack.com because i thought will's article was absolutely fantastic the, 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 you know, he, yeah he put a lot of time into it he got to the point in a very clear way you know he, he put forward some you know pros and cons you know it, it was it was a very balanced article there was a lot of thought behind the different elements that it was pulling out and to be honest like you know when you see things like the in parliament footage and you know that was just that was classic you've seen all your life people laughing at wrestling or you know it, it not been taken seriously when i see the number of journalists he says with um inverted commas around it within wrestling and certainly within the british wrestling scene not even mention this or talking talking about this i almost feel like will's the only person with that you know title or you know responsibility that that is taking it seriously and actually like thinking about it in a serious way i, I think will's put more intelligent thought into this matter and this report than anything else that, that, that I've seen out there. And, you know, the majority of people covering it just want to ignore it, sweep it under the carpet. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about the, the good stuff. You know, again, as we've, we've said in the past, everyone always just wants to go down the Kool-Aid route and just, you know, err on the positive. Actually, you need to shake things up sometimes and you look, need to look at things with a bit more of a critical eye and think about, about things a bit more seriously because that's the only way that the, the change is going to come. And, you know, within you know within Will's article, the counterpoints that he makes to a lot of different areas or the different context that he puts around certain things, 
you know, loads of stuff there that I've not thought about that he makes you think about in a in a, in a different way. And you know, people should be have be having these debates, but it almost feels like that unless it's Will shouting about it. This it is going to be one of these things that, like you say, Ben is just going to filter away. And oh, it's too hard and it's too difficult. And before you know it, another year's gone by and another year's gone by, and things haven't necessarily changed or no um, substantive outcomes have have come on the back of it. That's the thing when you got a, when you got a report that like it's got all of those good points in it, but it's also focusing on water bottles at live shows and the response to COVID and the SummerSlam '92 attendance. Like <laughs> you need someone like Will to to work through this shit. And you know, uh, we're saying this about Will Cooling. You know, brevity with Will Cooling, but like you need someone <laughs> like Will Cooling to provide that brevity and provide like if you haven't read the APPG report, go read Will's summing up of it and. Mm-hmm thoughts on it and you know ways to go for even here in the chat jp you know like he's like he said there you know we, we need to focus on the the guide from home office so councils know you know which license act to, to police shows as well as guides from health and safety executives on regulations for schools these are the kind of like active like concrete things that could be done yeah. like even like in the northwest i'm looking at like you know a wrestle island who are trying to they're at least trying to they're trying to corral the northwest wrestling promotions your big ones your gpws your tnts your future shocks and say can we just meet and let's ha- let's like talk like something we could all like stick to and set something yeah. black and white <clears throat> these are the the concrete things we, we need because i think it was clear to me and it was clear to most people watching that on bbc parliament that y- you can't expect anything from you know from government to happen it's gonna it's gonna take things like that to happen it, it, that's what it felt i mean because i i suppose i sounded more positive about it because i my attitude to the report was okay this is a starting point there's a lot of issues kind no, that's, of out that's there still true isn't it that's and then he was like and, and all of that is still there it's just that when you saw it go to parliament and you're thinking the the issue that is the most the kind of the most prescient and the most important which is the protection of people particularly minors from within wrestling is not even being mentioned mm. because you know and then at the same time mentioning nxt uk mm. like at times as like being one of the things and i think that's the fear is they'll go look look at the setup with nxt uk in this warehouse in enfield isn't it all great the end and you're oh, like they've got safeguarding documents i bet you the, i bet you they, the, their safeguarding documents look, traded company they of course they've got these things they've but got they HR look, procedures probably. but they look best mm. in business to a politician a politician will look at that and go oh, yeah. yeah that's exactly what all these companies need and then we'll end up with that yep. and it's like oh yeah nxt uk and its subsidiaries like are they your best example of of, of the way forward considering mm. everything we know about those companies that is probably what that is probably your best case scenario jp that's that's the best thing we're getting from the politicians i think and it's there are so many things to kind of tackle with it i mean you mentioned the things you guys mentioned about the, the kind of really practical aims of the stuff you can do i also think as well it, it's that meeting between promotions and that idea of of building a like a kind of working standards policy and then having kind of like being able to kind of share talent and the rest of it and working in a cooperative way and stop fucking pretending you're Don Owen and you're mm-hmm. up against fucking Vern Gagne. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of regional bullshit needs to die a death because like it requires cooperation in order for this to work. And that's, 
that's all you you know that, that's what we want to see from promotions on this is that like and that way then you're sharing the good practices it also then gets into the idea of the standard of the rings and things like that and then you've got your recommended training schools as a result and saying right okay we will we will only use people you know using people to associate with this school and not this school. if you have that around there where there's a kind of a, a standards and it kind of it links really to the equity pledge doesn't mm. it and the willingness but then we want something with teeth mm. and and that's where we're ultimately at and mm. i think for for all of us we're we're very hardened to now at this point of like the wrestling promoter bullshit patter mm. and i think unfortunately the way that it came across in parliament was like it felt like he, he, that mp he was never paul fletcher wasn't it or is that his name mm. yeah he was never going to mention like kind of speaking out or the really kind of difficult stuff so it was summed up by the speaker of the house at the end of it going oh what a, what a way to end the day yes talking about wrestling <laughs> and it was like yeah, that's not the tone <laughs> for this i don't think but yeah i think it, it blew it open and it's coming at a time it's as well when they mentioned jody fleisch though in, in well. of course <laughs> yeah. uh all big wrestling fans here i can remember johnny and jody back in the day and joe <laughs> Jodie be running up the wall and jumping back <laughs> over. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. <laughs> uh, that's it. But yeah, they're coming at a time as well when shows are coming back. And you know, like we said at the top, where they're going to go into shows and such. Like, yeah, we've had time. Um, and at the moment, it doesn't look like much practical um, is being done with that time. But yeah, worth mentioning, you know, but it's not every day that, like you say, those those things get re- referenced in a court. The British Bulldog comes up in, uh, in BBC Parliament, but hey ho uh, it is what it is and yeah before we get into the views moving on to another uh, another quick news note I don't even know I've got a huge amount more to say about this but any thoughts on Mark Carano and Bimbag Gate at this late stage anyone remember that was a story last week <laughs> Gareth desperate to talk about this you got anything to add when we get stacked from grapple are you going to put our belongings in a bin bag is that what's going to happen <laughs> is that our future <laughs> I'm gonna put the I'm gonna buy a purple bin. <laughs> Wheel it. Yeah. Is that where we've been went? I know now. <laughs> uh, On the I, plus side, you can reuse the bin. So it's even he's done more than what WWE would have done. Oh, so, but my alarm. My little camera went off today, and I, I went out to see see who it was outside. It was one of those fucking people trying to get you to do the census in the, in their uh, in their purple track jackets. I'm stuck. We're stuck in for a bit. Um, <laughs> I don't understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic, brutal. and they're sending people door to door to knock on people's doors. Go, you filled this form in. Like I've done mine as well. Why are they still here? Go away. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was what we were talking about. A text and a link. <laughs> Mark Carano. To be honest, I really know. I've known very little about the man, other than he seems like a cunt. Yeah, I was going to say a prize cunt is Mm. is how he came across, and particularly from a series of tweets I read from someone who was in a relationship Mm. um, with him. Yeah, he sounds awful. Mm. Um, I wonder if they'll send his stuff to him in a bin bag. And I can imagine someone laying a fucking turd in there as well to be just uh, as the extra classic wrestling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's become very clear in the days since that, like, yeah, he's not a brother, you know. Mark. <laughs> and Randy Orton's the mastermind behind it all. Um, yeah, he's not, yeah. Yeah, not the most loved man in uh, in wrestling history. You see, from uh, from everybody that left, and obviously, yeah, since we recorded the weekend show on Friday, there's been like even more, you know, women coming out and going, "No, actually, that also happened to me ten years ago." Almost. 
stuff got sent to me in a in a bin bag. Um, yeah, I think the only notable thing about it for me was just how hilarious the posturing was from Triple H and Steph and um, yeah, fucking Johnny Ace, you know, being like, oh, we won't stand for any of this. This is disgusting. It's like, ah, it was so transparent what they were trying to do. Culture starts at the top. That's all mm. I've got to say. Yes, <laughs> yes. Maria, yes, Maria Canellis Bennett mm. says, like, gets that nailed done, and like mm. her and uh, and Gail Kim, mm. a couple of people who are treated horrifically by them, mm. and have always been quite vocal about like their kind of discomfort with the company, and they've they've nailed them on that. And it's it's were they doing this for male wrestlers? Like, because there's been of, no stories. That's it. That is an interesting because I said to you, JP, on Friday, I. I'm just not that offended. Shows by the how they view the women in that company at that point in time. It does, but I'm not that offended by the bin bag part. Like for me, the most offensive mm-hmm. thing about Mickey James getting fired is Mickey James got fired because Mickey James is someone who they've, you know, treated like as she said, like garbage for you know 15 odd years. We watched that fucking WrestleMania, didn't we? We were like, Christ, how good was she? And she was still that good for years since, and they never gave her a chance because she was an older quote unquote woman because she was in her bloody 30s and her late 30s and now in her early 40s. You're the main character. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and like that offends me more than her, like them going, "What can we send the stuff in?" Oh, there you go. There's a bag there. Okay, it happens to be a black bin bag. Maybe not the best, best optics. Um, um, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the that's the most serious part of the story for me. I, I guess that on on the weekend show. If it was a white bin bag, would it be better? If it was pink, if it was you know red or something blue, like would that help? I don't know. <laughs> it's a fucking bag, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's 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 just it, it just isn't surprised, but it's it's very much kind of representative of the culture mm, that's in. The, the, that's what they reply the to. Mm, I sure yeah, I said that. It is, and and the fact that they're yeah they'll ignore so much other stuff but they'll comment on this and their mm. comments as well is told in such to such a degree of management speak mm. as well it's it's just like borderline offensive mm. like writing these kind of statements and they're all so close in wording so they're all meaningless mm. yeah yeah, that's them all over. But yeah, one other quick news that I was going to mention as well was uh, just about. I, I thought it'd be worth bringing them up. Steve Mon- Mongo McMichael. I assume you've uh, mm. seen the uh, the pictures. Not looking in the uh, in the best of health, is he? Um, yeah, looking uh, not looking good. I lo- loved Mongo as well. What a, what a legend he was. It, it's been good to see like a lot of like a lot of people coming out and putting love out for him. Like uh, you know. It's the type of thing when, unfortunately, when somebody somebody dies, you see you see a lot of. But like, it's good that like, yeah, while he while he's still here, people are coming out to uh, to appreciate all the uh, Chicago legend Mongo. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those where he was just always somebody where you get these people who like cross over from the other sport, and you could just tell that he, he you know, even going back as as far as when he was doing stuff with the WWF, even before the WCW stuff, you oh, could just tell that he was like, Taylor's corner, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, you could you could tell that he just loved it, and he just had the big personality for it, and he, you know, is 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 somebody who, you know, is is somebody who probably from with his involvement in in wrestling got a uh, got. And a lot of positives, a lot of negatives as well. You know, a lot of people, you know, liked him. A lot of people didn't like him, and things like that. But he, but he, he put himself out there as somebody that you had an had an opinion on, and you know, being such a big sports star as well, it's just, um, yeah, got it's awful when you see um, when when you, when you see somebody who was that not just a big physical presence, but yeah. just a big personality presence as well, you know, dealing with something like this. I think that's the, uh, you know, it was a, you know, really sad, but, you know, again, like you say, it's, it, it's almost like a double-edged sword. It's great to see all the positive output that comes out there of people, you know, talking so positively, t- positively about him, but, 
you know, obviously you'd rather that <laughs> it didn't need to happen, you know, but, mm. you know. Yeah. Like Chris has said in the chat there, JP, yeah, it's ALS, isn't it? And it's just a horrible. Yeah. Like Garrett said, you look at him and he just doesn't look like the same human being, unfortunately. No. Um, but yeah, no, no. what a legend he was, though. Oh, he was. And I think that's still one of the things. I mean, like whenever I see the Mongo and Friends mm. account come up and there's various kind of clips and gifs of him, like it, it's funny, like cause you, it's one of the things you forget. If you just sort of weren't aware of his kind of career at the Chicago Bears or anything else, he's part of the 85 team, isn't he? He's, mm. you know, he's all over that doc, you know, someone who's like a big part in, like had, had a meaningful career in in the NFL and he threw himself into it. I like Mm. when it comes to like kind of best bad wrestlers, he's very much in that conversation. Like you said, that gift account. Oh, like some of the stuff, like he's just a physical presence, isn't he? He doesn't know where he is. He is. (laughs) Two left feet sometimes for wrestling, but it made for for different matches than it made for entertainment moments and stuff. But he goes for it. Yeah, on Anderson the shaking his head on the uh, on the apron while he, he stumbles <laughs> playing the other spot. <laughs> Met with love, oh. but like, yeah, just oh. exactly. <laughs> but then, and it even comes back to like, like, why is he doing common commentary? And he seems dog. to be absolutely loving it. Yeah, with the little dog, and you're like, this is this is mental, but he's loving this. Mm. Like, he's clearly throwing himself into it. Mm. And the turn was he, he turned on Kevin Green, wasn't it? That's became what the horseman. He, um, yeah, yeah, became the horse uh, horseman at that point. And Flair I mean, clearly loved him. Like, I don't, I don't think he really. I mean, he's yeah. a bit himself. He didn't have the the wrestling chops to be a horseman, but like Flair was just like, oh, it's a Chicago Bears legend, Steve McMichael. I can go drinking with him in the hotel bar. He's a horseman. <laughs> <laughs> just you know that. That's how that conversation went. We should all hate that idea mm. from the get-go. Oh, but on. I think because of him being like a kind of like a proper like kind of NFL star, mm. it feels fine. Mm. And he had at least he tried. Like I, I would say the, this about him. I mean, give me Mongo over Giant Gonzalez. Give me Mongo over Randy Orton. At least visually, there's stuff that I can connect with in some way, even if it's not very good. Mm. Um, mm. and I don't think he's shat in anyone's bag, Mongo. He seemed like he was a you know very very popular. <laughs> That's it. Like he, those type of wrestlers where it's like yeah he's a legitimate athlete. Let's just throw him out there and see what we get. And you get good and you get bad. You know one of his one of Goldberg's first feuds was with Steve McMichael, wasn't it? it was over the uh, the Super Bowl ring. I distinctly remember <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> and you get you get be a the matches. Oh Christ! But yeah, you, you know sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And you know Mongo Michael was definitely never the most accomplished in ring guy, but at least it felt real. Unlike you know if you put him in the WWE system now, he'd turn up on an XT doing and all of the same spots in the same order as every other NXT wrestling. You'd be like, spot the footballer. You wouldn't know which one it was, would you? Like, I missed that. I missed the, someone like, sort of, sort of like him or Kevin Green getting thrown on TV that was just prime WCW. Always loved it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But yeah, like you said, David, great on the commentary too as well. Loads of oh, loads yeah. of fond memories of, uh, of Mongo and Michael. I saw somebody, somebody said today as well um, about him, like he's like, yeah, he's, he's someone who just wrestlers, always look up to you know and he's always someone who like mm-hmm. yeah everyone everyone always kind of wanted to like just be around and and like sort of the flair thing party with and just have him there at shows so it is nice that like he's getting his uh his roses uh while he's still alive and you know people are coming out and uh and showing lots of love for uh for all team mongo um but yeah 
Definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, moving on from there into the reviews of the weekend, we have got plenty, plenty to talk about today um, as far as uh, shows go. It's a bit of a smorgasbord of, uh, of different stuff that JP hasn't bothered his ass to watch, but me and Gareth will uh, fill you all in, everyone, with all the stuff in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the, Gareth, there was a big impact show on Sunday. Luckily, two of us have watched it, eh, mate? To tell right. you what. Yeah, all worry. those. <laughs> We'll, we'll keep How you, you forget about the stardom stuff that I've sent across to you? <laughs> Don't even dignify with a fucking response. It's in my trash bin on uh, Google Drive, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Impact It Happen on, on Sunday. Rebellion, I believe, was the, uh, the name of the show. Uh, did mm-hmm. you see any of it, JP? Managed to see a match or two, um, at least. I, I saw more than that. It just meant there, there was stuff in the middle of the show that I haven't seen a bit of, but everything that was important, I did make sure to watch. <laughs> I'll start now. Yeah, the, uh, the the big stuff I did see this morning, you know, Gareth, you were doing the update on the Grapple app and being uh, true, to, true to form, you didn't want any spoilers, so JP fed you the uh, the card uh, with, with no results so it could go on the app this morning. That's dedication, that. Uh, appreciate that. Don't slag me off. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he'd have already done the work for the um, for the morning news updates, so yeah, I, I knew he would have had his hand. That's true. That's true. We're only messing. The workhorse of this podcast, you are, JP. You'll have a matter or two. I spoiled it for myself. That's part of the problem did as you? well. Oh, did you know? the update, oh. I, I, I went through all the results. Mm. I don't do spoiler alert. Like If you're mm. listening to a, a daily news wrestling update, you like we're, it's going to cover like stuff that happened on there so i knew all of the results which didn't really kind of like before i'd seen any of it so i started watching it on the way to work this morning in classic mm. jp style <laughs> <laughs> i love it um yeah that's a shame though i mean i'm sure you knew mm. the result going as we talked about on the weekend preview like there was don't think even rich one believed there was ever a chance of of rich one winning that main event um i think maybe the uh, the the bookies favorite would have been some kind of shenanigans which they mm-hmm. teased and teased and teased with you know having the multiple referees and having tony khan at ringside and, and all of that stuff but in the end we got a clean finish and we got kenny omega impact wrestling champion he seemed more enamored with the uh, the tna belt than, to, than the impact belt to me when he was uh, <laughs> holding them up like it was quite funny don Carlos after, after kept picking the impact one off the ground and putting it on Kenny's shoulder just to remind him it's, that's the belt you're supposed to be bothered about, mate. Um, but yeah, we, it was it was a very good match. I mean, I, I said on the the show at the weekend, it was the floor was probably four stars. I went 3.75, to be fair. So maybe, you know, tinge of... I mean, maybe it's there was a couple of botches in there that, that maybe dragged it down the 0.25 for me. But still, you know, a, a very good main event. As good a match as, as Impact, um, I think, are going to have it at this stage. And, yeah, um, relatively clean bit of business. Like I say, they teased some stuff with the uh, the feuding refs in the match. And, yeah, they had Aubrey Edwards pull a chair from Kenny Omega. But other than that, the, the shenanigans may, remain minimal. Um, and Kenny Omega is your AEW champion. Uh, I suppose uh, to you first, JP, what did you uh, make of it as, as a match once you saw it being spoiled and uh yeah what do you think of uh the decision to go with kenny i believe there's some i ask you first because i imagine you're on tnamaca.com and those message boards aren't very happy right now so um thoughts on uh, kenny not? omega taking your company's belt oh yeah let an aw do whatever they want from <laughs> rough <shot. laughs> oh those tna mecca lads honestly <laughs> fucking like, the, the alternate universe that they live in for this um i i completely agree with you i went four stars on this i thought it was a good match the ceiling would have been higher. There was a couple of botched spots, and I wasn't sure if the spot where it looks like Rich Swan was going to do the springboard back off the thing 
because it just sort of came across quite flat when he was like sort of fell on his head i wasn't quite sure if that was a a kind of minor thing on it and at times he could have done with a bit more pace but oh and ultimately the story of the match seemed to be like you've got swan as the overall underdog so you had to make sure that the that the close falls that he ended up getting actually kind of meant something which i think they generally managed to do mm. and i enjoyed it but for me the result was never in doubt like mm. even knowing like obviously knowing the result when I when I read it it was like I wasn't that surprised by it that's why I wasn't as bothered by that that spoiler necessarily because it's, it's what I expected it reminded me a lot of the AAA match against Laredo Kid not as a match but in terms of it was the same kind of quality mm. where once you take out that kind of element of doubt of of who's going to win I think that's that's part of it that that has like kind of an effect from it as well. I thought in terms of Rich Swamp, he was he was good. I'd like to see it build him up a bit more. Mm. Um, I think he's like in some ways kind of capable of better matches. But in that, I think the thing is an impact is he's not often going to be having those kind of matches. Mm. Like a lot of that that's part of the problem is the people he's going to be up against. It's not like he's gone through a kind of murderer's row of really good wrestlers and the build up to this match. And I wonder if that would be something that would have um, perhaps helped him for it. But yeah, I mean, ultimately I ended up doing four stars and I have to say, I didn't mind Mauro. Like he went into some Maoisms, mm. but mm. I think he still kind of adds enough of a big name doing commentary Certainly bigger than Matt Striker. <laughs> mm. So, depends like, given which, the choice, depends which Matt Striker you're talking about. Because I'll, I'll fight for the one with the Y, but not the one with an I. But yeah, point taken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it did. I agree with that because I, I didn't like the commentary. Like, uh, uh, I, there might be a list of quotes. Maybe I'll read them out in a bit of some of the ridiculous, like that one where he dropped in the, you know, the, 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 the he's the Meltzer rated man or something. Went on about Meltzer's ratings or something like that. Just awful. Um, I can't stand him, but I do agree. It gave the match. It made the match feel big by just having special, you know, when you do those things, special ring announcer, special commentator, and you make the big song and dance in it. I do think Impact did a good job of making it feel important by doing that so i think that's probably worth the trade-off yeah and i think i think that was something that they i think during the show given that it was i'd not been obviously watching you know the weekly tv and the run-up this i think they did create that big fight feel sort yeah. of throughout the show with the presentation right at the start of the show and then like the different interviews that happened um during like little sort of video promos and things that like that were seen and then when yeah when you you then got to the main event it did it felt kind of okay. This is a step up now, kind of, you know, on a, on, a, on a different level to, to what we've been seeing before. This feels more serious. I think the Maro thing added to it. Although I've got to be honest, I, I just I just kind of zoned him out. I don't think he was. He wasn't as jar. He wasn't as jarring as he previously has been. So then, consequently, he just became another voice that just kind of just slipped into the background for for me, which. Again, maybe that's just me, but I suppose if you if you bring in Maru Ronaldo in for that, you probably don't want that to happen. But um, mm. yeah, I don't know. It was it was about getting that balance right, uh, you know, a, a little bit with me. I mean, in terms of the match itself, I mean, I went three point seven five on it, and I think that you know there was a there was a, there was a couple of things that sort of stopped it getting into that four star level for me. I just I think like JP's touched upon there. I think the the lack of jeopardy i suppose i I never doubted for a second that uh, or or i never thought for a second that rich swan was walking away with a 
clean win. You know, I've said in the past that I expected in the past, uh, you know, in the last few weeks, I'd thought, oh, you know, I know I've seen these, you know, when the NWA champ would take on the AWA champ and things, and it always ends up in some draw with some fuck finish in some way. And that was probably where my head was going into this, that that was what I was expecting. And then, you know, obviously that, that that didn't happen. I was perfectly fine with with, with the uh, Omega win, but I just I think that took away from it. I think the the crowd element took away from it. But I I, I, I personally don't think Rich Swan delivered. Like I just like it was. I think the best bits were the bit were, were when Kenny was doing was was on top and he, he was he was just sort of doing more of his bits really and when he was dominating and he was working the back and then he, you know he was you know he was pulling out some of his repertoire i almost felt like swan just looked a little bit off it and then and i think you know we referenced there one of the botch spots in the corner there was another one just after it that looked like shit where he was on the shoulders and he slipped off the back and so mm. he pulled him to the ground but barely touched him and in Look quick tired. succession, both both of those, yeah, they just looked they, they just looked off, and he, he, I think, yeah, I mean, tired, like just off the pace a little bit or something. Uh, there was there was just something that was lacking from from that point of view. And then I don't know with the way the match structure went for me was at the end, it just felt like ten million V triggers at the end, and then like it, it was just like and another one and another one kind of. It, it was the the actual volume of them just felt like. Like I was thinking, come on, like, come on, this is this is getting think, ridiculous for the length of time that this match is. Like, uh, for me though, I, I think I kind of get what they were going for with it because they're trying to like protect Swan and like make it so that Kenny has to absolutely kill him to win. But at the same time, it it then felt like he did absolutely kill him, and if anything, came across more dominant to me. Like, I, I get what they were going for with that, but mm. I almost feel like they. It was almost yeah, counterintuitive because you ended up with like, like basically Omega killing your champion dead and then winning clean. If anything, I think it it hurt it more than anything. I don't think Swan came across as though been physically killed very well. I don't know if that was right. just his his selling or or whatever. It just mm. it just felt like oh and and another. And it didn't feel like he was absolutely. I don't know, physically destroyed in the in in the ring. Yeah. I don't think he he conveyed that to to mm-hmm. to me. But um, yeah, clean finish and yeah, like you say, it's you know the the you know your the Impact Champions just been pinned clean one two three in the in the middle of the ring. No, you know, fuck finishes in it. So the uh, the Impact World Champions, um, um, you know, an AEW wrestler the, to go along with the tag team wrestlers, been the New Japan wrestlers as well. As, as well. So it's a, it's a quite an odd situation, really, for using these outside um, wrestlers to elevate their own brand. But then mm. I don't know what does it do to the people who are who are, who are left. I don't know. It was a it was a, it was a it was a funny match. It was a it was, it was a weird one. I couldn't say you know it was good. I gave it three point seven five, but mm. it. It would. It, I, I probably expected more. I think. I think it's give and take with that stuff with like the impact AEW stuff. Sorry, JP. Like I think like overall, I think I agree it's worth it because I mean we're talking impact first here. Like you know, <laughs> as far as shows to talk about, and we're talking impact in general. Like I think there's clearly a value in that, and like Mel, um, not Melter, it was Alvarez who said that like pay per view buyers, for example, you know, despite the thirty dollar mm-hmm. price on fights. Where you know for for impact levels ridiculously high, you've got to counter that with yeah the damage you're doing. You know like who Rich Swan got 
beat so definitively like you know you can probably answer this jp like who's waiting in the wings like who is that like you know unless the unless they're breaking the bank to bring samoa joe back as the savior of tna that i saw floated around today which i'd take that might be a, that might be a way to salvage things you know but like you know rich one's not beating kenny omega in, a, in a rematch yeah it would it would but rich one's not beating kenny omega in a rematch like you say that's Three of your belt, you basically your three, three your, your top male belts are wrapped up in wrestlers who work for other companies, and yeah, um, while it's probably in fact, definitely, I'd say, worth the trade off right now. At some point, at some point, Impact have got mm-hmm. to get back in the game, haven't they? And I actually don't see the route to do that. It's easier to do it with the tag titles because you can just put it onto the Good Brothers and then work it off from them, and I think you can get around that with the Omega stuff. It requires the storyline would have to be that Omega goes into an enormous funk slash losing streak and just loses the belt. So when he loses the AW one, it causes a kind of house of cards and he loses mm. it that way because it's politically very difficult. I'm in complete agree. I, I actually think that the issue is is that Impact's never had anyone to be able to to kind of take this on. In some ways, it sounds ridiculous to say Impact should be funny about the idea of having Kenny Omega as champion. Because if you'd said that to them a couple of years ago, they'd have lost the fucking plot. The mm. idea of being able to have Kenny Omega anywhere near Impact, let alone as its champion, is something. And funny enough, he's going to be... I, I don't think he's going to be wrestling much, but he's probably in all of those tapings they're doing because they're running through like three days of tapings, I think today through Wednesday, which is that. basically most of their TV up till July. Right. So like, what are they going to do around that? So it's about what they do t- to the next show which, if you look at the video they had for Slammiversary, it's interesting. <laughs> they didn't July, because clearly they're going to try and... Do, if they're doing it at Skyway Studios as well, then they're going to wait to see about the 90-day no-competes and see if they can... Like, who they're going to be able to bring in for that show generally. Yeah, I think having seen Impact do so many bad things, it's very hard for me to be negative about the idea of them putting their main title on Kenny Omega. Sorry. So maybe I'm looking through this as slightly rose-tinted glasses. There isn't anyone. They've got even remotely... We said this at the time when he first came in. Who have they got? And they don't really have anyone like to even remotely kind of like compete with that. The the other person... I know it's going to sound a weird one. Him and Moose... I think as a as a match would be something that would be weirdly kind of interesting. I mean, there's people I'd be interested in seeing wrestling, but they're nowhere near mm-hmm. in terms of ready to be like defeating them. And I'm talking about people like, like Josh Alexander or an Ace Austin. No, nowhere near this kind of level. Mm-hmm. So it as a move and as a business move, and it's been proven to kind of work for them in terms of ratings in those kind of very minimal way, because we're right into those niches of around... 130 180,000 kind of viewers it works and if it gets paid pay-per-view buys that's what they're going to look as uh, look at it creates some buzz for them the fact that we're talking about them in terms of the first reviews on here suggests yeah. that like we view this with a degree of importance so i think it it kind of means something i mean it doesn't mean that it's a great match it doesn't mean we have to kind of like it but i certainly think that for them given the options they have at this point in time, being, you know, having Kenny Omega around your TV as your world champion is something that's much more of a positive than a lot of the other stuff they've done in previous years. It's all right, it's all right anyway, because on that Slammiversary 
promo video, like you referenced, like Samojo was on there. But like when you slowed it down, Naito was on there, Ricardo was on there as well. So they've got these big matches to to, to come as well. They're coming out of Nashville, Ricardo Omega again. Who'd have thought? Naito, who him and Lujero lost to Kevin Nash in a in a, in a handicap match, and it was TNA Ricardo as well. <laughs> well, I definitely just read in the chat there that apparently Nicole, this is an uh, is an interest in a champion versus champion match with Kenny Omega. So we're not getting that in. In related news, I'm not interested in starting for England in the European Championships. But uh, anywho, Nicole, this is going to Nicole. This is me. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you can do that. They'll collect a match with the NWA champ. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. I think I think. We're right to say there's negatives there, and I, but I think you've hit the nail on the head, JP. At, this, at the moment, I think the positives outweigh it, but it doesn't mean they're not there, and it doesn't mean that yeah, they're yeah. not something you've got to you've got to keep an eye on, even if you are lowly, lowly impact wrestling. Um, but yeah, I was going to say like otherwise on the show, what what else kind of stood out for you guys? Uh, for me, I've, I've got to go straight to that that opening three way. Um, I yeah. thought it was fantastic for that style of match, and you don't expect it, you know, three three way flippy match. You know, you kind of half expect. Okay, I'll half half pay attention to the to the big spots. I know what I'm gonna see, and to an extent, it was you know what it will always be with a match like that. That this being Ace Austin, TJP, and Josh Alexander. But I don't know. There was something different about this one for me. Like it really stood out. Like it was. I don't know. It was the pacing of it. The fact that it was just action, 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 and there wasn't really any like slowdown for it. Maybe the quality of the people in it. You know, Josh Alexander is great. You know, he's been a hidden secret in wrestling for a lot of mm. years. Even I think he retired at one point, didn't he, JP? Like, uh, he, yeah, you know, he was done, and he's back in a promising position for for Impact. Um, yeah, there was something I just really loved about this match and the you know the exchanges within it and the, the spots were creative. You know, TJP for his faults and you can list a million of them um, as a human being, as a wrestler, he is you know still very good in ring. Ace Austin mm-hmm. is someone who you know I was I would have been quite happy to stay X Division champion for a while. Maybe he's someone you can elevate to do something with Kenny um, as like a bit of a, a raw diamond, I suppose that maybe uh, Kenny could do something with. But yeah, instead it was the the focus of the match was uh, was Josh Alexander. It was it was his big win, and yeah, I actually went three point seven five for this as well. So I'm rating that the same as I did the main event. I didn't even realize that there uh, I'd quite done that, and it looks like uh, this one's trending quite well on Grapple too. Yeah, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm exactly the same. It, I wasn't expecting much, for, you know, from it. I wasn't, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a nice three, three point two five star opener here. But the, the more and more I got into the match, I was like, fuck, I'm like really enjoying this. And like you, you saying there, I don't know, you almost like couldn't put your finger on on what it was. I mean, I think the thing that jumped out for me was the the, the almost. The, the variation in styles between the three guys in the, in, in the mm. ring, really, you know, it, it almost felt like there was, mm. you had TJP that was somewhere in between, you had Austin at one end of the expect, at the end of the spectrum, and then you had Josh Alexander at the other end of the spectrum there, and I think that the way that it meshed and the different combinations that you then got when you got two different guys in the ring, it, you know, those the, the different combinations there that worked so well, and yeah, again, I went three and a half stars on 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 this, and you know, I'm the, you know very much the same as you thinking there, you know, um, TJP the human being, no, but when you put him in the ring, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a solid as fuck. Like, he's so yeah. reliable, you, you know, he's, he's he can he can turn his hand to so many different styles and he, and, and and pull it off very credibly, and you, you know, again, if you if you purely look at it on a wrestling basis, there's there's very little bad I'd, I'd say there, but you know, Josh Alexander again is one throughout those tag team 
matches with, with Ethan Page. He always looked really, you know, really strong there. And I, I'm just loving the fact that they're now giving him that like push to sort of break through in the in the singles here because he just looks legit. Like I, I think in in what he does, whether it's striking, whether it's the you know wrestling parts, the grappling parts, you, you know, it it just looks credible. It just it's got, just got that extra like realism edge to it. And he himself as an on screen presence, he just he just jumps out a bit more. Has just been a bit something different as well. So you know, as much as I've enjoyed Ace Austin in the past, and you know, God that. Lad's got a fucking hell of a future. Um, mm-hmm. I th- it, it just felt like a nice time for me to stick that on Josh Alexander and go, okay, let's let's have a run through with him now and let's see where we can where we can elevate him to. I mean, they'll probably change the lines and fucking just go and put the belt on someone totally different on the first TV tape next week or something <laughs> like that. No, yeah. no an impact. Be the, the, way feel, <laughs> the, the, the way it left me feeling in the moment at the end of that match, like I was like, yeah, yeah, this is good. I felt like all three guys came out of it looking looking better, and I really enjoyed the match. I complete agreement with you two guys. I went three and a half on it. Um, yeah, TJP, this is why he's in MLW. It's why he's in New Japan. It's he's why everywhere, he's, isn't he? <laughs> it's, why he's in, in, it's why he's in Impact. He's in all these companies because as a wrestler, him working with those younger workers helps them get better. Um, I just don't want to adv- ask him his advice on epidemiology, like because he clearly <laughs> no fucking shit. Wouldn't ask any wrestler to be fine. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to wrestlers for your world fucking views, like I think the issue might also be with yourselves. Mm. Like, if you're, if you're, I don't know what to think about this subject. I'll ask the concuss- concussed lad. He'll, <laughs> he'll know all the fucking answers. Yeah, um, but no, I, I, yeah, I went three and a half in it and I think it was just one of the things I noted from it is it was just a relentless pace and it was what you wanted your opener to be 10 minutes kind of absolutely you know steamrolling through it so yeah I, I I really enjoyed it yeah definitely I mean you say there Benno as well about it like tracking well on the app you know I'm you know looking here and like it's currently sat at 3.74 average so you know as much as we enjoyed it people out there enjoyed it you know more. You know, or did you? You went three point seven five on the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you're you're right in that ballpark there. And you know, you look at the main event that we've already talked about. What's you know, that Kenny and Rich, Rich Swan's currently at like three point nine eight. So you're literally talking about you know for the vast majority of people rating it there. There's a quarter of a star difference, which mm-hmm. which in 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 one view is very very good for that opener. And then, but for me, it kind of just sort of cements the idea that the main event while being good, didn't quite click because, you know, Omega Swan for both belts with that amount of time, it really should be, better, you know, leveling it out higher than, higher than that really. And I think, I think maybe, you know, it's, it's that expectations element that, um, yeah. that, you know, when you're not expecting as much and something exceeds it, then you probably go a bit higher when you're expecting a bit more and it doesn't quite hit it, then you maybe go a bit lower. So you sort of meet in the, in the, in the middle of ground there, but, but yeah, yeah, to, uh, to, 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 you know, two two strong matches to, to bookend the show, definitely. Definitely, yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, like you said about the stylistic thing, I think that's probably what it is. Like Josh Alexander stands out as someone who will throw some some submissions in and he's got a better ground game and it works really well with Flyers. It it just makes me think, you know, would that work, work really well with Kenny Omega? And it's not like, it's not like, you know, the lining up um, as far as options there. JP mentioned Moose. I mean, I suppose you can do that, but... 
you know, do, do, do AEW want Moose on their TV? Um, for some reason, they didn't want Rich Swan on the TV. You know, I had some theories about why that might be. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe that's a, a better direction um, to go. Um, if if you know, if Impact are actually actually going to get some uh, some TV time over on the AEW <laughs> side at any time soon. But yeah, I think they were the two big highlights for me for the show. Everything else was kind of I don't know. It's an impact show, isn't it? You know, you're talking, you know, we, me and JP joked on the other weekend show, Gareth, about like that, uh, that fucking Brian Myers, Matt Cardona match. I mean, I could have closed my eyes and I could have told you what happened in that match, you know. <laughs> to, I, I was too charitable on the weekend show. I said it'd be a gentleman's three, you know, gentleman's two and a half. And that's all it got from me. Um, yeah, not much going on there. Um, probably a, a low light of the show for me. You got any uh, particular low lights or highlights? I don't know. I just feel like I feel like I'm picking on the lads, but anytime you try and get fucking Brian Myers and Matt Cardona to a, do a blood feud, then it's not over wrestling figures. Like, and it's it's like you're trying they're trying to also make you buy into the fact that Matt. Brian Myers is the egotistical heel. Matt Cardona is the <laughs> lovely baby face. I, I feel like, yeah, and let's just call him Zack Ryder for the purposes of the review. Zack Ryder. <laughs> like, I feel like that would be the role for him. And I think I'm probably more empathetic for a Brian Myers. But did anybody ask for these two to have a blood feud? I don't think they did. No, and I mean, that's just, you know, that was my exact my feeling when I was watching it. I was, I was like, it's this is perfectly fine. This is two wrestlers with plenty of experience who can go out there and put on a mm. perfectly fine two and a half star wrestling match. But, you know, there's nothing there to just get too excited about or even in, invested in, you know, it was, it was just Mr. Average versus Mr. Average. And, mm. you know, and at the end of the day, it's fucking Matt Cardona against Brian Myers in 2021. <laughs> like it's, mm. you know, how, you know, how, how far they are through their careers as well and to be rolled out into this you know i i, I did go a touch higher than you i went 2.75 i did Ooh. i did uh i did quite like uh, yeah <laughs> I, I, I threw that extra 0.25 in there for the finish i thought the uh, i thought the, uh, the 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 finish was uh was was worth that extra much quite i quite like that with the um myers helping him up and then larry and him twice you know oh, after Cardin yeah, yeah, you know it was it, it was I, I thought it was going to go the other way and Cardin and I like roll him up or something like that and maybe yeah, you know that get that a bit more you know heelish kind of thing there but yeah it was it was wasn't a bad wasn't a bad finish but fucking hell it was just yeah it was fucking Brian Myers against Macato wasn't it you know at the end at the end of the day and you know, it was a it was a bloody TV match and there was there was, there was no substance to it and I mean this day I mean that's probably very similar to the rest of the the show in that you know there was a lot here that kind of just fell in between that. 2.25 to 3.25 bracket there where you got mm. something that was maybe just nudged up slightly higher by a, a good finish or a good particular sequence or something like that that maybe invested you in it a little bit more but yeah be, I mean beyond, beyond that I mean the Trey Miguel San, uh, San Calam match like Again, I enjoyed that. I'm not the biggest fan of Sammy Callan. You know, I, I ended up going like three on the app, I think, you know, so it's, but, you know, but it's, at the end of the day, it was a, a last man standing match and it was, yeah, there was, there was some stuff in there that was, you know, quite interesting and a bit different maybe with, with some of the ways that Sammy was like brutalizing him a bit with, you know, I don't know, just some of the, some of the weapons and things like that that, that were in there. But ultimately Sammy just felt like he just battered him for the entire match. And then Trey mm -hmm. Miguel did one move and Sammy Callan lost. And I was like, well, you look like the biggest shit house in the world now. It, it, it kind of, I, mean, I was sort of reflecting on it at the end of the show. I was thinking, you've just cut the legs off Rick, Rich Swan because he's just been looked physically, 
you know, undermatched against Kenny Omega and lost nice and clean there. Sammy yeah. Callaghan, Callaghan's battered somebody. He's supposed to be one of your biggest stars in the company for, for 10 minutes and then just lost on the back of one move. And, like, he, he literally couldn't get up for a 10 count after one move. And, like, you're like, fucking, no, well, there you go. What you do? What you doing? We're booking, booking these lads like this because neither of them looked like they were going anywhere anywhere soon. And, again, from the, from the rest of the show, Good Brothers Fin Juice tag. Standard TV it tag, tag match. match. It was, yeah, three yeah, points. I gave that. Yeah, just, three. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even. I don't think I have anything more to say other than like <laughs> them two had a match and yeah. it was a TV match and it was middle range star rating. I don't think there was anything of consequence that I even remember. And I watched it about two and a half hours ago. You know. Yeah. You kind of hit the problem with the impact pay per views overall, isn't it? is you might get one, possibly like on good months two, at a very good month three, decent matches. And then everything else kind of falls into this kind of like blur of, like you say, just like to average matches, just mm-hmm. kind of back to back to back. Because um, this is when I started to tune out, mm-hmm. like during like bits of it, like with the women's tag match. I was just like, this is this is just an impact match. Mm. And what's the job of these pay-per-views and these extra buys? And it's like, I know that Kenny Omega fans will have that main event moment, but really, you know, you want to come out talking about more people, really other than, say, Josh Alexander and Ace Austin. That's like, probably enough, though, gonna... isn't it? Do you not think? It is. You'd like to think them talking about Deanna Parazzo. But then, True. as soon as they put them in with like Tennille Dashwood, I'm just like, well, this has got a ceiling to it, yeah. Because Tennille Dashwood's indie career has been been pretty awful. When you think of like the kind of star that she was presenting as Emma back in the day, which seems like a million years ago, her like kind of runs on Ring of Honor Impact have just been completely nondescript. Mm, in, yeah. in any way, shape, or form, and it doesn't feel like there's any star power there at all. She's and progressed like, in no way at all. As yeah. she in ring, I was watching her, and I was thinking, "This is exactly the same as what I was watching you do seven years ago, or whatever it would probably is now." You know, mm. and you've got something there with Diana Parazzo, yeah. but you need, do you know what you need? You need your Serena Deeps mm. to come in. There would be someone to go in to bring in there and have a feud with her. Like mm-hmm. if you're talking about all these kind of interworked relationships and the rest of it, that would be, you know, they're the kind of people that like AEW could be sending them. It's actually people, people who can work. Mickey James. Yeah, yeah. there you go. But that, TNA legends, you know, almost got run over by that train that one time. Yeah. She the fifth <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Was that yeah. with James Storm or did I dream that? Yeah, part? James yeah. Storm was like the, the mega heel at the time. Uh, speaking of which, actually, James Storm, yeah, that, that we're, we're missing oh. the, uh, the big headline here, lads. The, uh, in that big multi van. <laughs> Yeah. Heaven knows we're miserable now. Is Morrissey? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? His name appeared on the screen. What was his name? Like J Morrissey, C Mor. What was the initial? Like H w- Morrissey. W Morrissey. It was like, Ooh. and the commentator is like, "Is it? Can it be?" And it felt so retro yeah. TNA that he walked out. I was like, oh, it's Big Cass. Just his Twitter account is literally at Big Cass XL. Just call him that because that's all he's ever going to be. He's going to be Big Cass. He's not going to. It's like it's like the rider in Myers problem. Like. 
they they haven't had even a well, I suppose Myers has had a bit a few twists to his repertoire since he left WWE. But you're essentially just getting the WWE product of them. Big Cass is someone who peaked in life five years ago and he's gonna continue trying to go back up. There's nothing there to be mined and make this big deal out of him, especially with a name like that. What were they thinking? Morrissey. Like it's just amazing. Uh like yeah. What's well, Sig Bass doing? Playing up like, the Morrissey I'd take that show and that'd be way better. Yeah. You need those classic TNA <laughs> names, JP, where they'd switch a few letters round throw a number in make it a you know <laughs> like when out with enzo mar he was on impact doing those ecw tribute shows and his name was cajones like stuff like that yeah. that's what you need <laughs> uh, if there, there's a gimmick i'd be interested in is a morrissey based gimmick <laughs> now it would be bizarre to see big cast come out in a kind of un uh, like with buttons undone on a white like shirt swinging around gladioli i mean i'd love to see that that would be brilliant you know. but yeah stop me if you've heard this one before he's still shit that's like you know. very good there we go uh, so they gave us that at least um but yeah I, I don't really have any other big notes on the show really like i'm looking at my grapple ratings and it kind of sums up exactly what you're saying there gareth about it being you know a very much a three-star event because that's what this was you know when 3.75 on the opener when 3.75 on the main and then it's 2.75 two and a half two and a half three for callahan and trey miguel and that was a disappointment for me i expected more out of that you know they've been like you said they've been building trey miguel as like this new baby face sammy callahan for me, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I find him quite reliable. It was just the lower end of, you know, what I would have expected with Plunder with them. Tiger went three on, Gianna Parato went three on, and then these your main events. Like, if you are stuck for time and looking for stuff to watch, these are the types of shows, aren't they, where Grapple App's useful, opener, closer, it's all you really need to see from this show. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's the problem, is when you're, when you're asking people to pay money for a whole pay-per-view as well, and, you know... I, you know, when you're picking out the the highlights there, when mm-hmm. you know you can you can see TJP for for free in, in a hell of a lot in of places, places as, yeah. as well as as well as on Impact. He was TV. on Wrestling Society, actually, you know, as Puma under the mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> He's right. everywhere. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was on. The, he was uncredited, but he was in the one of the like one of the battle royals or something. Yeah. He just turned up. But then again, in your main event, where like again, your best match is Kenny Omega, who sort of. In, is your champion, but he doesn't really wrestle for you, kind of thing either. It's a, it just says a lot about the the, the shows. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't have been forking out for it if we didn't have the old um, fight code for for that one. And it's 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 one of them again where having been burned a few times on on impact pay per views over the the last yeah. twelve months with this this exact problem, mm. the one highlight of excitement that you maybe do get in there isn't enough to counterbalance mm. the bland palette that it leaves in the, it leaves in the remainder i'm very intrigued to see what happens with impact actually once um once the crowds come back mm-hmm. because i think the production itself with and, and not, not having crowds definitely feels um adds sort of to that blandness blandness and i think it takes away from some of these matches i think a couple of these matches maybe could have been elevated a bit more with a with a live, a live crowd in there and also given that the the stock of impact is higher today than it was 12 months ago or you know even 24 months ago even yeah it'd be interesting to see if you know if it's been generating more pay-per-view buys if that then translates to more people watching their shows live once they actually can go 
you know, who knows, that might help. That might be something that just like sort of tips up feeling feeling to the to the product a bit more if they if they've got um better crowds in there than they had previously, um, prior to prior COVID. But but yeah, I mean, just on a flat wrestling product right now, yeah, it's certainly not something that's got me uh, running out to uh, beg for more. They were definitely giving um, NXT UK a run for the money with golf clap that MP3, weren't they? Like when when Rich <sighs> when Rich yeah. Swan got announced in the main event, it was like a game show. It was like woo, like a little clap. <laughs> it was just, yeah, uh, oh. not d- definitely not as good as um, Don Callis reeling out the names of um, uh, reeling out the names of all these like legendary wrestlers. And then um, saying, "Are all insects compared to the best wrestler in the last ten thousand years?" Can you? <laughs> like, I was just like, "That was great." Because just when that he started to re- when he started to reel out, you know, you know, Nick Buckwinkle and um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, just reeling out all these list of legendary legendary names, and then just uh, like having that punchline at the end. So that was a uh, quality stuff from Don. <laughs> yeah, I prefer that to, to Mora and Aloe throwing in lines like, you can't smell Omega without OMG and all of his stuff. Awful. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> Just like the Didn't 27- he say like some... Oh, God. He made some point about like Rich Swan having like a PhD in hard life or something like that. I was like, you're making like incredibly light of his very tragic backstory. Oh, God, yeah. Which is brutal. Like I don't know, it's it's you know, would you have Mauro sum up the wire in five minutes? He would. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do it now off the cuff, even though that's what the moment demands. Oh, like, I can't. Kenny Omega has shattered the Dave Meltzer stale, just like he's shattering the dreams of Rich Vaughn. Oh, hate him, but whatever. Right. I'll let it go. Big, big show for Impact. That are, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the fans of uh, more of that are out there, mainly the journalists, um, will have enjoyed that one. Um, but for any of you, I'll be moving on to a related subject. I'll probably keep it uh, short this week for uh, for AW with uh, with other stuff to get to. But we'll get into our highlights and, and lowlights, I suppose, of this week's Dynamite. But quickly first, Jet, uh, after the the betting we did last week about the uh, the ratings uh, coming at uh, 1.1 million or there or thereabouts. Uh, Again, positive news as far as I'm concerned in the mm. ballpark. You know, but slightly down in the uh, in the all important demo, um, but still, you know, the the, th- the third most watched dynamite of all time behind the the debut and last week's uh, shock number. Uh, what was your uh, reaction when you uh, you saw that number, Gareth? Yeah, I was made up. I was made up because again, like we talked last week, and we were, you know, again, I was kind of like cautiously optimistic about that first week's number and thinking, yeah, I'll give it, a, you know, give it a bit more time, see what happens. We've seen that wild fluctuation sometimes with AW numbers in the in the past, but um, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised to see that hold up so well. And you know, if you think of, you know, from a TV ratings point of view and the percentage change and things like that, it's it's all very much kind of there or thereabouts from a like a margin of error standpoint as well really so it's 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 just you know it feels like relative consistency for me with you know what we've uh, you know you know what we'd seen the previous w- week and if now we, this suddenly turns around and on the back of that they retain a similar number you know you know going forward for a, for a third week then it's all just all just positive news and you know it was just sort of nicely reassuring to stick above that million mark and not just scrape above the million marks you know stay closer to what they did did last week really so yeah i was uh, delighted to see that 
Yeah, right. I, th- I think there's a there's another reason to feel really upbeat about it. They burn off any big matches because we've mm-hmm. seen companies try and chase the big ratings, mm-hmm. and this time round they, you know, what are the big featured matches that they blew off? Ty Conti versus mm-hmm. yeah Darby Allen Jungle Boy, which is something they're going to go back to many times over the years in mm-hmm. various iterations of their characters because they're so young and they're mm-hmm. kind of going to be basically future pillars of the company. Um, the fact again that you've got a, a relative level of consistency throughout the show. I know that um, at the end that the Darby Allen match did just over a million, but like the Taikonti Karashida being one of the the kind of high points in there, certainly in the demo, is is really really positive. And again, it's just it's the reward for booking good, logical, sensible television that rewards viewers and rewards their attention, that they're actually able to maintain that kind of presence throughout the show. Um, Again, this is still far too early to be kind of reading too much into it, but considering how much really wrestling needs a company that's kind of on the up and up at the moment, particularly given like the various fluctuations of the the other companies out there who can't put together a kind of consistent product, Mm. AEW are doing that. It's a consistent product. And this week's television, much like most other weeks of television, I really I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it's a good two, it was a good two-hour piece of TV. I've seen better Dynamite. I've seen worse. But, I mean, like, it's mm. just following a consistent pattern and it's giving me kind of what I want from it. So, mm. Yeah, you don't feel yeah the, rating, the, rating, the rating's about the product as a whole, isn't it? It's not yeah. about the, 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 the spike of a couple of stars or something like that. It's about people watching AW because they want to watch AW. And that's, yeah. again, that's a, that's, that's a positive. They're not needing to hotshot anything or anything like that, which, you know, that's, that's it. At the end of the day, you want them to be able to put out X number of combinations of different wrestlers and still maintain a relative consistency in their audience and, you know, again, you know, fingers, fingers crossed that's something they can, they can keep doing because... Like you yeah. say, they're not not just blowing two names out of the water just for the sake of trying to cling on to a rating for another week. Mm. That's it. And if I was playing EWR, that's exactly what I would do. So Tony Khan shouldn't <laughs> listen to me. Like, Tony Khan's a genius because he threw fucking Billy Gunn and QT Marshall out there and it didn't sink the entire show. Like, when I saw that match was on a show, like, the fact the rating didn't dip to 700,000 tells you everything about, you know, you can get people invested in an angle involving QT Marshall and 57 or whatever he is, your old Billy Gunn. Like, I think wow. he's literally in that ballpark. Fucking state of him at 57. He's looking fucking great. I don't, I wouldn't want to know what colour his piss is like, but, like, he looks fantastic <laughs> for the uh, <laughs> for his age. But, yeah. Fluorescent green at this point, isn't it? <laughs> Probably is probably is um but yeah that's it i mean there was part of me that like you know what did you make of the darby allen jungle boy match i was slightly disappointed i expected a little bit better mm. i expected to be honest that was the my only negative on the rating i was and that's just purely me wanting and willing you know darby allen and to a lesser extent jungle boy to turn out to be these mega draws you know between you know with younger audiences and it to do like a million and a half to to prove it can be done type of thing like you said jp still still above a million so you know okay from that point of view but i thought the match was decent but i went three and a half stars and i thought it was just okay um maybe i don't know i went from like complaining about not getting enough darby allen on these shows to actually seeing him weekly i'm now okay is like the sheen off a little bit too is that a problem um i don't know something about this match just didn't connect for me i Ah, this match was kind of hot shotted in there we talk about hot shotting like in some ways this was like a match that kind of was thrown out there so i wasn't mad about the build for this Mm. Given, like, I mean, like, he just had the TV title defense and they weren't going down a route of saying he was going to defend every week. I think that was one of the things. But that's like a kind of, like, 
minor way. I would say I I like Darby Allen's finishing move, that last supper fin, um, pinning combination. I think that's mm. actually quite good for someone of his TV size, finish. and like it's a good t- it's a good TV uh, TV finish for that as well. And they'll have better matches in the future. Uh, this is something again where I think you know I went three and a half on this. And like, if you figure the position that they've been put put in as well, along with Ikara Shida and um, Ty Conti as well, the position of like four young stars who are unproven at this level, mm. having matches on TV, which, you know, we're talking about it not being great, still very good, still better than anything that WWE are putting on really sort of like in ring on TV, isn't it? Mm, that's true. Like, can't look a gift horse in the mouth with this. God, I think I'm I'm massively the high man on this. Then I absolutely loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I went four stars on this. Like literally, I watched the Omega Rich Swan main event, and then I just I still had this outstanding to watch. And then I watched this match immediately after that, and I was just left. I was just feeling like fucking hell. This bull is is blowing Omega Rich Swan away for me. And oh, I was I, I enjoyed this so much more. There was so much more pace about it and so much more intensity about it and I was just thinking about um, the fact that it was just two baby faces going in there there was no feud involved there was no not you know it wasn't there was no setup necessary and it was just the match was just about them you know fighting for the title you know basically I, I just I thought there was so much aggression that was thrown in there so much intensity I thought between them working together they just had absolutely like gorgeous timing and cohesion, everything they did just looked as smooth as anything to me. I, 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 I really enjoyed it, and I think I think when Jungle Boy was on top, I think he he looked like a absolute superstar. I think the way that you know mm. some of the suplexes he was in, some of those like even just like those basic things like side headlock takeovers that he was doing, that they had such great like talk and speed on them and they, 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 they just looked so impressive and just, you know, just jumped out so much. And then just both of those with the two, you know, finishes that they were going for with that, um, that trap submission that Jungle Boy was, was putting on. Like, I love that spot where he went for it. And then, then he went for the surfboard. Then he went back to the submission and Derby, he didn't rake his eyes. He probably gouged his eyes. You know, he was yeah. <laughs> to really escape from it again. It just got that intensity and aggression across. And then obviously that last sub, supper, like cradle for the, for the three was such a, just a, a nice, perfect way to just end a match like that, that was wrestled in, 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 in that way. Like, oh, I was, I was, you know, loving it, and then but when I went on the app there and threw my rating, and I think I see it's it's averaging out at three point seven two. You know, people very positive about it. Clearly, not as positive about it as me, but like, mm. oh, like I've, I, honestly, honestly, I, I loved it, and I was just left thinking, God, I can't wait for these two to, you know, in the future have a you know mm. more time to just work like a, a pay per view match or something like that. It, I just really felt with that chemistry and cohesion and the. You know the pace and 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 just that 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 level of, of aggression and intensity when there's no rivalry there at all. Like it just made me think, God, what could these do if they had some reason to be working together where there was a genuine build and storyline behind it and a bigger live crowd and they've got you know five minutes more or something? It was uh, oh, lovely stuff. <laughs> I don't really really like it, it more. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I missed out on something here. I was, like, I, was, I, I was really disappointed like, hearing you talk about it there. I was like, oh, I was like, I love this. And honestly, honestly, blew. The, I mean, I mean, I know I've, I've gone like 
0.25 difference there in the, in, yeah. in the rating, but it just <laughs> felt like it blew the Omega Rich Swan out of the way. And I think with there where I was talking about Rich Swan looking a bit slow and a bit laboured and a bit off the pace and just like lacking a bit of like intensity and things. After I watched this, I was thinking, mm, should I give that Kenny Rich Swan three and a half? And like, I was considering going 4.25 with this. I felt like the, <laughs> there was that bit more, bit more gap there. I, yeah, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely going to give it another watch in the in the next couple of days because, like I said, oh, only just watched it now. But yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I suppose um, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't love the uh, the dinosaur and. Um, and what's yeah. his name? Luchasaurus on the outside having that fight. That wasn't Sting. great. Um, Sting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was odd. <laughs> like maybe that took me out of it. Maybe, you know, Darby was like heel by kind of proxy in the match. You know, yeah, kind of had to mm. be at, at moments and maybe that didn't connect with me. I don't know. I still gave it three and a half. Still liked it enough. But yeah, it just didn't really connect with me on that level. Um, wish it did though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, it says a lot, doesn't it? Because we mm. we hold them such high expectations yeah, probably as it. well. Uh, I mean... And, and and it shows how much they've come on, and particularly being able to work TV mm. in in this way, like working a TV main event where you're dealing in a TV title match, which has got the TV remaining. So you're having to re- between them and the referee, they're having to really keep an eye on the time in order to make it kind of dramatic as well to know when they're going to close the show. So there's a lot going on in a match like this, mm. and we kind of forget about how new Jungle Boy in particular is to wrestling. He he's someone who I still think on the face of it, if you like kind of 18 year old me would have instantly taken a dislike to him mm. because of his like kind of very clean cut baby face ways. But fuck me, he's a star. Like yeah. he just has future star all over him. We talk about Darby Allen and it's there as well. It's just a different type of star, which is, I think probably the most pleasing thing. It's the contrast between them as characters mm. is going to be the thing that drives them forward. Mm. It's always going to be a case where Darby's going to have this kind of outsider thing going on. Whereas with Jungle Boy, it's going to be, you know, he's Luke Perry's son for God's sake. Mm. Like when eventually there's a, there comes a point and you put like the TV, the TNT title for him, which is kind of like the perfect level that you want these guys at realistically, totally. even at this point, I know there's the temptation probably to think, Oh, could we get Darby Allen from the main event mix? It's like, no, when it happens organically, when you got fans in, you know what the reactions are, then you'll know the timing of it because mm. it's absolutely crucial. But seeing jungle boy get a tier, like these two going on a pay-per-view for a TNT uh, title match. Like again, I think that's something you can go to pretty easily. Mm. All said, I think it just how you focus on them as career rivals, and then you put like an MJF into the mix, and even yeah. Adam Page, for God's sake, who isn't you know he's not old at all. These like, are the homegrown guys, though, aren't they? Like you know, even even your Kennys yeah. and your Bucks and that aren't really homegrown AEW talent. These are like you know, I joke about being in Smith's toy store and looking at the figures. You know what I mean? Series one is Kenny and the Bucks and all of that, but the, the series two and the series three is these kind of guys, these kind of people that AEW have, are making themselves. You know, and like distinct personalities and and characteristics about them all as well that makes it exciting. Yeah, and Ricky Starks is one that I'd thrown to that list yes. as well. Just within yeah. this mix again, another you know another guy who, you know, when you talk there about that temptation not to Sammy rush Gavara. them, 
He's right. Like, like, yeah, another one. This it very much feels like where again we've talked in the past about having that tiering system, and you have guys and they filter through, and eventually they become main eventers, and that's when wrestling's best. When you see the rise of these people over a period of time, and then when they are at that main event level, it feels almost like earned. Like the the example I always think back is, you know, is when you had like your your Bret Hart and your Mister Perfect, and they were at that intercontinental level, and then mm-hmm. you know there's that path that people go on up to the up to the main events and it's fine to it's fine to be at that level for two years three years kind of thing before you know the build that level of momentum to 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 move up because then it feels a bit more organic and the 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 story and the crowd have built behind them to get to that point rather than just been getting a world title match lose it and then oh fuck you know you know where where do we go from here kind of thing and like this whole i think it's one of the issues i've had with wwe a lot is where you just get these guys and they're flip-flopping and it's like one month they're fighting for the world title and then two months later they're the u.s champion and then suddenly they're in the world title next three months later and then back they've switched brands they're going for the intercontinental title someone like brian or like aj styles and things that you're thinking why are they flip-flopping up and down like that when they're veterans you know there should be that establishment at a certain certain level with Somebody like that. that, that mm. Jack Sawyer got a just... world title in it. Same thing. You know, he was always like yeah, oh, yeah. world champion, and then two years later, he's fighting for the US title in the opener. Like, yeah, they never, they never got that stuff right. Um, but yeah, like I say, that that that's you know for, for AW, like that's the stuff to to look on positively and look forward to the future with. I mean, as far as this show goes, you know, I think it was a, you know, I didn't think like you said, JP wasn't a go home. Sorry, like a you know a world beater of a dynamite or whatever but it was a good dynamite i think it had good yeah. in-ring but also good promos like it felt like a show of promos for me like i really i didn't i don't hugely love the you know the combo of ethan page and scorpio sky being the ones to attack darby at the end if you flip roles and made that miro based on the promo we had earlier i think you would have went off the show yeah. a, a lot hotter but i did think that was a highlight of the show that miro promo the inner circle promo mm-hmm. um you know the What's M- MJF's group called? The MJF and, and Goons. Uh, pinnacle. Pinnacle, that's it. Yeah, I should know that. EWR Special, um, the Pinnacle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that promo <laughs> was good as well. There was a, a lot of those uh, top-level uh, talking on the show. And I think I, I, I think you know maybe that Jericho, I think that Jericho Inner Circle promo was that the high point as far as ratings went um, mm. for, for this show because it's Jericho and he seems to be Mr. Ratings at the moment. But yeah, as far as content goes, that was probably the weaker of the lot, but... I still enjoyed it, and I enjoyed pretty much yeah, all of the uh, the talking through this show. I think with that Jericho promo, I like the I like Santana just getting oh, a little bit of yeah. talking time as well. Like he'd be a top he, three he was promo good. in WWE in, in AW is like he, top twenty. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was he was good. Let's 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 ease him onto the mic a bit more yeah. and give him a bit more talking time because he, he he popped through the screen like he he really did well. It was it was I didn't know he had it in him, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that that jumped out to me, and yeah, like you say the. Uh, the Miro, uh, the the Miro promo as well came across really strong, and it just Bottom kind of made you, you start you starting to feel now like ah, uh, they've just had to park him for a bit until, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. just to get certain things to come to their natural evolution in in, in, in certain other ways. I think the the only thing with that um, in a circle one for me was that it was like leading to okay, next week it's we're having an <gasps> ending parlay, oh. and I was just like, no, oh, how have we gone? Like, how, how how many of this stuff do we? Is it going to be Eric Bischoff and um, Conrad asking questions on the outside again? 
again and things like that. I think that was the mm. the only the only downer on this this for me it was like, come on, we've we, we've had plenty of this over the last six months. I don't think we need uh, I don't think we need more interfaction in ring talking points between the inner circle and uh, other mm. other people other people. But um, but yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the the promos generally came across. In fact, the the um, the only other memorable talking bit for me was <laughs> was Jim Ross somehow forgetting what a spine buster was. Did you did you pick up on that bit oh, of commentary? No, it was like it was like in the power powerhouse Hobbs Christian Cage match. Um, like Hobbs landed like a spine buster, and <laughs> Jim Ross was like like hits him with that Arn Anderson like. Power bomb type, and then like Taz is like it's Taz is like it's a spine buster. <laughs> like you know, just like how can Tim Ross not like remember the? How can he not remember spine buster? Like for Adam? all the moves for him to forget. That's spine. Like, how, how many spine busters must Jim Ross have called in his in his career? I was just like Get older. fucking hell, but classic uh, classic Jim Ross. Oh, another line oh. I enjoyed on the show was uh, Moxley and uh, and Kingston just like just chewing scenery like them two. It's like a buddy cop film at this point. Like I know. <laughs> Okay, vehicle angles have been overdone by the WWE, but like I kind, I kind of enjoyed seeing that that car smash into a, into the inner circles, not the inner circle again. I see, yeah, like Jim Ross, this um, <laughs> the elite's uh, trailer, and just them two just going back and forth. Like you always hit me, watch out, what are you doing? Like just they're just great. I just, I'd watch them yeah. all day together, just just hang out and just give each other shit. Just brilliant. This is clearly the kind of sports entertainment that Moxley wants to be doing, where he gets to riff on it and be himself, whilst at the same time it's like, okay, I know you want to do some kind of like skit-based stuff effectively with with this. But again, like you, I didn't mind it because it's the way it's being presented. Mm. If it's in WWE, it's presented the way this stuff always is, Mm. you know. Mm-hmm. It was like hidden cameras and people walking out with sullen faces and then getting into a car and then the cutaway before they, you know, come back to the empty version of the trailer that they're in or whatever and then a fucking mm-hmm. truck plows into them and the police. Well, they kind of did that though, didn't they? Like the elite just did. Nah. They disappeared to wherever Shaq why... disappeared to. Like that was odd. It's yeah. like the presentation of it though. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing. I can buy this with with AEW mm-hmm. and I and I enjoy them. So like, but yeah, yeah. It, there isn't the kind of pompousness to the to I didn't find to this skit that you kind of get with WWE, mm. where they almost feel like you should be viewing this as high drama. Mm. Like at least it's kind of maintained like an element of silly. Even when the elite were in the uh, trailer beforehand, and you can see them kind yeah. of like shaking and the rest of it. Like I, you knew you knew what's going to happen, mm. and I think at least then you at least had that kind of build to it. So. I mean, I'd, I'd do ten minutes of this. Moxley just walking around smashing windows with a bit of pipe while Eddie Kingston talks to him. Like great entertainment. <laughs> yeah, watch out, <laughs> isn't it? Like Sean said, what is it with you taking people's shoes? Like just brilliant. Just like the two of them are just. Oh, yeah. like, I, 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 like, very I, I, ro- Oh, what was that doing? Very well. What well, it's very waiting for Godo almost <laughs> to give it a kind of like high literary praise. Just these two two characters. I was going to go Tango and Cash, them. but okay. <laughs> Same thing, basically. <laughs> that works too. Uh, did we have any of that well, before we move on to anything else? Any of the highlights in ring from from Dynamite? Um, I don't want to do it down because it was from an in ring point of view a decent show. Like, and if I looked at my yeah. average on Grapple, it'd be higher than the average for that Impact pay per view. And it's a it's a TV show, so that tells you everything. Mm. Yeah, in ring, I'd go Conti against Shida. I, yeah. I, I love that. You know, I'm a big Shida fan, and like I gave that three and a half stars. I, I, I just thought that was that was excellent stuff, you know. I think um, I think again, 
like classic things that I like, but you know, just things both of them did really well at just making things look real. And whether it was the strikes, the kicks, knees, particularly Shida, I think in 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 those different areas, and then the the grappling side of things, it just it it it, it just had that more hard hitting realism feel to it than you know you get with a, a, a lot of women's matches. I thought they again similar to when I talked about Darby and Jungle Boy there. They just had that kind of cohesiveness and just seemed to just like fit together quite smooth and have a good natural chemistry there. And then when you just see the the leaps and bounds, obviously that Tay Conti's come on in, in in that time and then you know coming in and working a match here that felt like a you know really high level for a women's TV match as well. I, you know that was that was really positive. And again, she's just someone who you're starting to feel like as the women's roster grows and develops and you know we we're getting better and better matches and better better women's wrestlers take on to in a year's time like two years time mm-hmm. i think she looks frightening where she could be at she's you know i think she's somebody who can really be offering something at the top of the women's division but offering something that's a bit different as well and you know i think that uh, with that you know judo and jujitsu style and things like that that she leans on for you know for a lot of the matches you know that works really well but then again with it being tailed by Britt Baker coming out and again doing the I'm now number one ranked and just (laughs) you know putting more fuel on that fire for this relentless charge to the title of Britt Baker and just you know again adding another positive notch to her as as, as a whole this was a this was a big highlight for me I think that if we went if it took like the, the main event out of the equation, this was this was this was the top top thing for me on the whole show. Mm-hmm. How about you, JP? Yeah, I'm in agreement with a lot of that. I thought after this match, I want to see these two match up more because I think, like Gareth mentioned, Ty Conti's MMA background and a judo background mixed in with with Shida as well. I think it works. But the really performance sense of success story is uh, is all Ty Conti. It, <laughs> talk about yeah, that it, what a damning indictment it is of them that they take someone in, they look at them, and they think, well, actually, rather than using these are their natural abilities and being able to work it in, you know, we're just going to try and change them into being sort of a generic thing. And here you've got someone, uh, like with her, still the biggest thing is reps in the ring. Mm. So like with Ty Conti, you think in two years time, you get to it. This is like the first stage in the kind of character development stuff with, with her as much as anything else. But I really, we speak, we've spoken about like kind of the organic nature of Darby Allen and, and Jungle Boys being their guys along, along with uh, a few others. This women's division, like what they have done with this women's division in making it interesting with a couple of really canny signings in the like of a Thunder, Thunder Rosa effectively and Serena Deep. But Ty Conti, you know, we're talking um, Jade Cargill, who they're introducing into the mix, who has... Apparently she had a WWE tryout once and, and they passed on her. Jade Cargill. <laughs> Have you seen her? That's mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really, it's mm. insane like for that but then on top of that like you're talking like even your red velvets mm. like are, yeah. are, are good as well and you've got a division that you've kind of organically built and the only thing they don't really have is a the kind of experience of working in front of big crowds which is actually part of what they're playing into the Sheeda storyline of like with a big crowd and you hope that the match that she has with Britt Baker where you'd imagine Britt Baker would win has like a, a it's a, in front of some kind of a, of a good crowd to kind of really make it kind of like meaningful but i really enjoy this division yeah. like all of those people i mentioned like all of them enjoy really if you want to take it to that next level it needs that one big star from wwe which is basically one of the four horsewomen 
like mm. moving over. And by that, I mean the WWE horsewomen in terms of a Bailey, Shasia, Becky, Becky, Charlotte. Yeah. Then you're taking it to next level, kind of star star wise. But mm. going to Britt Baker, I'm more than happy with that because yeah, she's uh-huh. an absolute highlight all the time, and I look forward to that act ruling the division. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. Just so you mentioned Jake Cargill there, just got me thinking about the the promo as well with her. I was getting flashbacks to like Randy Savage with the different managers trying to yeah. sign him up when he first came to WWF as as well. And um, yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I like the way they're just giving her these little bits of TV time every week. Um, so whether it's uh, you, you know whether it's the match or it's just a little short backstage interview or just a little, little bit of a promo like this, you know, just getting that little, you know, two to five minutes of Jake Cargill each week that again, for the future, they're just making her just feel like a, feel like a star and doing it very well at the minute for someone who, you know, as, as, as we've seen, they've accentuated the positives in the ring, but she's, you know, she's got a long way to go. So it's, um, but it's, but it's quite, uh, good and positive that they're establishing her at, uh, at, at, at this stage in, in such a way because she's she's just got money written all over her, hasn't she? Definitely. definitely. Um, the only thing I was going to reference is like a high point for me of the show. I did really like, I enjoyed most of the in-ring on the show, you know, Trent and Penta I thought was decent, even Christian and Hobbs, you know, not exactly must-see, but, you know, a good example of what Christian can bring to the company as a veteran, giving a, yeah. a young lad like Hobbs, you know, a match like that, you know, and clearly guide him through a match like that. It'll do him the well, the good. But I did want to reference the opener that I really enjoyed, Ricky Starks and, and Hangman Page. Mm. Um, like, I wonder where we're going with, Rick, with, with Hangman Page. Like, if, if the books seem to maybe be heading towards something with Moxley and Kingston... Are we pulling the trigger on Paige and Kenny already? Like I, I'm starting to feel like that might actually be possible because he's in a weird pace right now. Paige, I'm enjoying him having like these not throwaway, but you know, little matches on, on Dynamite with a Ricky Starks, and let's all be thankful Ricky Starks is all right after the uh, the horrible bump he uh, he took in this one as well. Um, but yeah, you know, an enjoyable match on that. I gave that three and a half stars as well. So I did want to mention it as a match, but it did give me some questions coming out of it, like what exactly is Hangman Page's role in the in the company right now, and if you know we've talked about, you know, we would personally hold on to that Kenny match for you know later when there's crowds, when you can tell the story properly. Something in me makes me feel like maybe this is coming now. Because what else is Kenny going to do? I, I think Hamman can take can lose to Kenny again. I think I, I think I, I think he can they can have the match. Yeah, yeah, and he can, and it become part of the journey. And then obviously he, he had at the very start, the very infancy of the company, he was he was up with that opportunity, wasn't he, to get the belt with Jericho initially? And then if he then fails again, and if it's as a result of you know some fuckery from the books or something like that, it's just another layer that they can you know they can weave into the into the story in that in that way. I, I don't think it kills Page dead to to lose. In fact, I think it just means that when he does eventually beat Omega, assuming he does then it just adds that extra layer and that extra depth to it that the crowd will go that level of, of bonkers that like he's yeah, been the man maybe. to finally finally beat beat Omega. Had you know, some people would maybe just see that as like, oh, you know, you know, it's taken away from him or he's been buried a bit by it or something like that. But you know, I, I, I think it's a it's that it's that clear, it's that baby face negative notch on his belt kind of thing that he's got to overcome further further down the line in a in, in a different way. And yeah, I wouldn't mind at all if they threw him in the mix there and, and he lost. 
I thought they were doing something along those lines because it's the way that he kind of avoided the questions when I think it was Marvez walked into the room of the Dark Order and he didn't want to talk about it, suggested that like the storyline is when he's mentally in the place to be a Kenny Omega, mm. who by that point probably needs to be more established as AEW champion. I mean, I but you mentioned where, like, so I think Paige can take the loss. I don't know whether or not I would do that per se I, I i'm still very like kind of uncertain whether or not i do that regardless i think there's other stuff you could kind of have with adam page still but it it does it's it's a strange storyline but the ambling nature of it we don't know where he's going is part of the storyline if that makes sense mm. so like you can get away with him meandering mm. because his character is kind of enjoying himself at times and he's found this sort of new group of friends and it's it's like and it's always good, fun, entertaining TV, which is going to end up endearing him more and more to certainly the television audience. And then, like, you get to the point where you got fired up Adam Page where Kenny Omega does something heinous to the Dark Order or something like that, and he's like, right, that's it. Then I think at that point you can go down that route. Down that route. I think at this stage it would be merging kind of too many storylines. But then the question is, who else do you put him in there with? Exactly. Do you, if Impact had do a ready-made a... option, I'd do that, but there isn't one. You know, do an offer match, no, the Impact it. title match on an AEW pay-per-view, but there isn't anyone to do that with. So who is that? Mm. Am I making this up? Is Paige taking on Cage for the Paige Cage. FT? That's this week. Has his yeah, title. Number one. He is, isn't he? Mm. There's a belt for Kenny to collect. <laughs> no, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's the uh, the end goal there. Um, and you can get away with that kind of trend, like those kind of upper mid carders taking on like a, an Omega on a pay per view match, as long as the match is kind of good enough. Do you see what I mean? Like they did it with Brody Lee. Mm. Did it? You know, they've they've done that from time to time. I'm all right with that, by the way. Like mm. I, I don't think you need. I'm happy at times, kind of thinking, all right, give this guy a chance in a in a main event. I find that much more intriguing than just like a usual collection of the same five, six faces that have to face each other because we consider them big stars. Mm-hmm. It's just, I suppose for this, it's like what you need something to sell this pay-per-view. You know, you need a big match yeah. and you're already doing blood and guts on TV. So you're not even getting that. Yeah. It just seems a little bit lacking at the moment, but Hey, and it, and it, we don't trust many promotions. Like I'll trust, no. you know, what 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 we get out of AEW in these coming weeks. But something to uh, to keep an eye on. Like I say, with uh, with not exactly much else looking like an obvious headline match for that pay per view, unless you count QT Marshall versus Cody Rhodes as that. But I don't know. Uh, I don't. Um, <laughs> but moving on because we have uh, we won't uh, waste any more time on QT Marshall. But we have got uh, <laughs> plenty of other things to talk about. We got about forty five minutes to uh, to chat them, and it's a bit of a smorgasbord of uh, of different stuff to talk we've all seen new japan strong jp's got a bit of a all japan catch-up for us two-thirds of us have seen the mlw tv um one of us even watched some mcw i don't know where should we go first lads what's the uh i can use to talk about ML, mlw oh have we all have we all watched the uh, new japan strong actually yeah we? i think new japan strong is probably the one yeah. I, don't, I don't have enough to say <laughs> to, to carry a big conversation uh did you catch up with new japan strong today J- uh, gareth I, w- I watched the main event literally when we were doing our pre-show there, so I've watched it with uh, I've, I've I've watched it with sound off and while uh, yeah. while we were chatting. So to be to be fair, uh, you know, I, w- I don't want to go into a great deal of depth sort of thing, but I thought I, oh, I better watch I better, I better watch it just to have a, a view on it. But it, yeah, it looks it, as I was watching it, I was thinking, yeah, I want to watch like this a U-match. properly because it. 
it looks it looks very hard hitting and mm-hmm. um, like I, I love the finish from from what I saw of it there as well. So yeah, don't don't uh, don't expect any depth out of me on this one. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it to you. Too. I'll, I'll 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 pick up MLW Fusion Judas. Oh, I, I, good lad. I thought it was no. I thought it was a really strong match, and the first thing I thought was yeah. you like this because. It is. It was very like you know, Tom Lawler is you know as good as anyone at you know making the MMA star work in wrestling. But I thought Brody King was perfect as like the like just being just being the big guy, being being the the hard immovable object to beat for a for a Tom Lawler. And you got like you say realistic, hard hitting feeling action that like to me has been missing like i found this so much more compelling than anything else new japan has got oh. going on right now like to the point where i was watching like watching it go and this is like it's almost sad because it's like cosplay new japan because it's it looks like new japan the ring's the same even like you know because it's pitch black you could picture that being like a you know a big big arena in japan or something like that all the presentations down and i'm watching it thinking god i wish tom lawler was like doing this and killing it in like proper new japan where it it really matters um rather than here but i i love this i don't say love it i gave it 3.75 which seems to be could even be the title of this podcast today. I think there's been a lot of three point seven five being uh, thrown around, but that's three point seven five for an empty arena New Japan strong match. Which again, context, isn't it? You know, uh, it's not exactly like I I tend to love um, these shows because they do come across quite dead. But this was the type of match that I think worked against that. In that, you know, mm. bit like you know, we talked about UFC at the top of the show. These UFCs in the pandemic at the start were great because you could hear the hard shots. And I think it made all the difference. That's kind of what I took out of this one is that you could hear, you know, that that it was legitimately a stiff match. And you know, when Brody King was launching Tom Lawler over all over the ring, you were genuinely, you know, in worry for him being in peril. And it took Tom Lawler having to scratch and claw back, and you know, uses his, his MMA and uses his, his choke out to to take out Brody. And even in that, they gave Brody plenty. Then that, like, yeah, you know, it looked like he was going to fight out of the choke. But then he still passed out. That was a nice little moment they gave the match as well. I thought it was, it was really, really good. And you know, you're a big Tom Lawler fan, um, JP as well. Obviously, I could, I don't know, big moments like this. Does he need to do the Daisy Dukes thing? Can he not, like, you know, maybe leave that at home? No. Leave that, leave that for MLW. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was needed. Um, but other than that, a perfect presentation of a of a New Japan style. You know, not main events, but you know, something that you could be like the never title match on. You know, the middle of a show somewhere yeah. that you go away going, oof, I saw a real battle there. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I loved it. I went four stars. Um, yeah. it, it, it was it, it, for me. It was. I woke up and I watched this, and I made sure not to go on social media because I just didn't want to spoil it. Mm. And it, it really delivered for me, like you say, for all the reasons you mentioned in, in terms of the storyline of the match as well. And like I said, I just love the fact that Brody um, King got so much out of this and. He feels like some like both of these guys are people I'd like to see on cards because I think Brody King is a monster out there. Like effectively, if he turned out to be like a replacement for Farley in those roles and those kind of matches, mm. I'm more than happy with that. Um, and he's someone who's who the fact he's been with Ring of Honor a while suggests that that's the route he wants to go down. And there's very much a role for that. And he's Tom Lawler has been generally the highlight of New Japan Strong since its inception he has been the highlight for me still one of my favorite matches is him versus fred rosser the former darren young (laughs) i enjoy the fact that they're going towards him versus chris dickinson 
like and the way that they did that as well with the presentation all of all of these things it makes me wonder like you know there's this this is the kind of thing that you're kind of sorely missing from um like new japan itself at the minute like you say so it feels like kind of heartbreaking at the same time because it happens in front of such a like small audience relatively and and you're thinking god you could do with these kind of matches in in new japan Mm. so yeah i um i really really hope that like this is gonna be like becomes like the filthy tom show for a bit as well because yeah and chris dickinson as well um, but they just had those t-shirts. They had those t-shirts made, which mm. I thought looked really cool with the team filthy, like in kind of Nintendo eight-bit <laughs> design. Yeah, and and it's something that Tom Lawler brings up when Chris Dickinson's leaving the ring and walking off, and he's like, "We've just had t-shirts made. What are you doing?" <laughs> he was great. He was like cheering so oh. when uh, the uh, the ring announcer got in, and Tom Lawler was like, "You going to challenge me? Is this what this is?" Like he's like yeah. backing off from the ring announcer. I thought they did that really well. It because I knew it was coming. It maybe looked a little bit hokey with with your Lawler going oh is anyone going to challenge me and no one comes out but that was a nice way of doing it having like dickinson step up and J- i thought jr kratos was great in the background as well selling like the, yeah. the the betrayal of it type of thing um again i'm a gcw homer so you know i'm going to enjoy them two getting involved in a big angle with the uh, with tom laurel at the end but that's genuinely a that'll be a great match like uh, i'll that is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't find New Japan strong, particularly appointment viewing, but, you know, whenever that match is delivered, I will be tuning in for it because I think they did a good job of making it feel important. And even, you know, Lawler making light of the fact that, oh, this is what we do, isn't it? You know, I won. Come on, bring me Challenger out. You know, it's happening. We see it on every New Japan show already. He's got that little bit of a smarky awareness that I always uh, love all Tom Lawler. Yeah, if there's any justice... Him and a few people off the show will be be over in uh, Japan at some point, rather than doing as a uh, Dylan has said in the chat, doing the uh, the New Japan equivalent of NXT UK, which is harsh but kind of kind of what New Japan stronger <laughs> feels like at times. But uh, <laughs> uh, any thoughts on the on the rest of the show at all? Like I didn't really th- think the other two matches on the show up were much to write home about, but solid enough New Japan strong style action. I imagine you probably got a bit more mileage out of the MJP. I thought they were fine. I mean, it was interesting seeing Wheeler Utah on there. They did the usual, which is um, you did enough to kind of earn the respect of Rocky Romero in there, who they're telling this kind of from the bottom up story. I, I was fine. I mean, a lot of the matches always sort of range from your two and a half to three stars, generally across all of the shows. Gareth could could give you the stats on that, but like it's <laughs> it's very much in that vein. And um, yeah, I'm trying to remember who was in the opener actually at this point. Was it? T- uh, Clark Connors and TJP. It was yep. yeah, Joe Crazy Clark and TJP and Rocky versus. That's UK, it. Yeah. And again, absolutely kind of fine television wrestling. It makes you also think as well with the kind of cards they've built up when they do go on the roads. One of the things these shows, and it'll be a test of how many people are watching it, is actually if you go throughout them, there's a decent card of wrestling, like mm. what you could put together. It's not going to blow anyone away. I can't see it drawing more than a few hundred people at best, but I'd enjoy it probably. But then you know, <laughs> I was waiting for what the book was going, and the book was going to but the I'd li- like it. <laughs> I'd like it. No one would but you're really it. appealing it to make a any money, but <laughs> no. If you want to put on Tom Lawler, Chris Dickinson, and there's a, a ways and means of me going, well, I'll then, be yeah, there. I'll mate. go there. Two tickets yeah, I'll go. there. <laughs> yeah. 
Shame it's uh, shame it's on Roku and not on um, on um, not on Thingy, isn't it? On Vice, where uh, yeah, where all ever, ever landed. That was a uh, that yeah. was odd odd scenario, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Very weird. Very that, weird. That is very very weird because one of the things that Vice has, and and you know, you'll talk about me talk about MLW, but um, like Vice really appeals to like a young that younger demographic. And imagine New Japan following Dark Side of the Ring in that kind of time slot. Mm. Like, you've got something there. Mm. Like, you've got an audience there. And you're probably, you're talking about an audience of older fans. And the idea would be that you'd probably want to show them, even you just put fucking classic matches. Mm. Just like, I don't know, put fucking a card of Tanahashi out there. People go, oh, yeah, this is kind of like old wrestling where they're having a proper match mm. and all of this stuff. And there's no kind of silliness. Then I think that. That would have worked perfectly, but they um they went with MLW. It's funny because every, Japan said no. Every week where I'm going to watch Strong, I like, well not every week, but every time I decide I'm going to watch it, I'm like, where do I watch it again? And like it takes me a while to. Oh, it's not on YouTube. Oh, it's it's a New Japan World product, right? It'd be so great in like a a proper slot like that on TV, just because it'd end up in Watch Wrestling. To be honest, is my main motive behind this. But still, <laughs> I would like it to, to appear somewhere uh, a little bit more. Uh, I don't know uh, where it can be you know, used to promote the fact that, you know, that New Japan exists in the, in the US, which is kind of the point of it, isn't it? So why bury it on your streaming service? The only people who are going to see it are existing fans anyway. So it's, yeah, a lot of things New Japan do at the moment are, are completely mind-boggling. Like, did you see that? Like, they've got a, a, like, they've gone from cracking down on GIFs, and this isn't so much New Japan as it is a, a TVSI, screenshots, and now getting taken down off Twitter and the like. Like, think... If, is there a company making more backward steps this year than New Japan as a whole? Like, talk about a way to find, like, apparently there was a big tag match this morning with, like, some really interesting Osprey and, and Shingo interactions. Like, you, you wouldn't know on my timeline. Like, I feel like I followed most of the great and good from, like, the hardcore wrestling Twitter fandom and, like, I, you couldn't find people talking about the show at the search party this morning for me. If anything, more people were talking about Strong this week. I completely forgot about that show this morning until you've mentioned it just now <laughs> we previewed it on and we, friday <laughs> and, and we do a, yep previewed yeah, it yeah. i'd have mentioned it yeah. at various points just um, don't care. we do a is wrestling it, podcast is it, is obviously. It, is it an actual show is it an actual show or a road to show oh it was a road to but it had a couple of singles matches nah. on it had, uh, nah, right, great okay. o'conn versus naito gareth i would have thought that would have been down the grapple app no is it even on there? Did you bother? <laughs> um, I have, well, I haven't put any on from this morning, so no. Uh, Has so anyone wants, asked? Yeah, <laughs> I bet they like, have. But no, nobody's rating these row two shows. Like I, oh. I put them up, and we, we, you know, you're literally talking handfuls of people like that are that, oh. that are rating these. It's uh, it's it's bizarre because even you know, 12, 18 months ago, when you were sticking row two shows on, you still had sort of a semi decent number of people. You put ratings. I'm looking here, like nine people have rated the show from the the twentieth of April. So that's like, you know, a fucking week ago at this point, nine people have nine people have rated it. And like, it's just an odd. Yeah, you do get that feeling that the whole New Japan thing, like you say, your timeline. People just aren't talking about it, are they? And, and anymore, the, uh, the the buzz has buzz has definitely uh, definitely gone from that point of view. And just just shows you, doesn't it, how quickly you can mm-hmm. you can turn the tide by just making three or four you know mm-hmm. major negative decisions close to each other just you know you think you're on top of the world and then before you know it you fucking <laughs> you know you're right down at the at the bottom because they yeah they don't feel essential to mm-hmm. to any degree at the moment 
Absolutely pointed out on the weekend preview that the fact that there's massive COVID restrictions, which I imagine are going to get more intense. You don't want to say these things are a blessing in disguise, but I think for them not running shows and taking a look at themselves, if they've got any kind of self-awareness about this, is something that they should really think about doing mm. at this time. Because those those dome shows just look like the worst idea. And it'll be like just trying to make a stadium pitch black, which renders the entire thing completely redundant unless they're being given it for nothing. It's like, mm. what are you going to do? Are you going to have a couple of people, just a thousand people spread out on the floor? Ugh. Look like progress and Ali Pali in that case, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, like, it's not like that far removed, but you're just having to darken out all of the stands. So, like, really, what's the point? I mean, it, it, I, I know we're not in Japan, but you don't get the impression of any buzz because you look at the attendances for a lot of these row two shows. What like 300? Mm. Yeah. Like mm. fuck me. And these are cards with people like Tanahashi and Akada and Naito being wheeled out on them. And they're like <sighs> burning through that fan base. I'm just looking now at the results from today. And <laughs> then the semi-main Sonada and Aaron Hanari went 23 minutes. <sighs> And in the no. main event, Naito, Naito and Great O'Khan went 27. Great oh. O'Khan in a 27-minute match. That's Sorry, almost I three episodes of Wrestling Society. Night, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't got I haven't got fucking 27 minutes of my life to be spent on Naito against Great O'Khan. No chance. Oh, Mate. Christ. Yeah. Think of what episode 10 of Wrestling Society X delivered. Mm. Like in less of the time than both of those matches. Yeah, says everything done. Says everything. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure JP, we've got a uh, preview on our hands this weekend where we're previewing. I think Dontaku's this weekend. Is it not thirtieth? Yeah, it is. We're just looking on cage match. I just have to look oh, it up to make sure. Uh, <laughs> that's the that is no, uh, that is in fact uh, a thing. Oh wait, no, it's not. There, the man. It's a uh, middle of next week, so we'll still <laughs> we'll still we'll still mention it, I suppose. But it says Everton. I don't even know when the fucking show is, and Shingo Osprey's on that. Uh, like, you know, uh, terrible time to be a, a new Japan fan. But yeah, I saw uh, Ben Owen say today on Twitter, like, yeah, you know, they've cancelled three Corican shows, but that's okay because there's still 374 of them happening because they're just fucking hammering yeah. these Roto shows out this year. It's just, it's unreal, just unreal. I can't, I, I can't even fuck it, like. The amount of times I've put the words Corican Hall into that app this year is fucking <laughs> phenomenal. You should never forget how to spell it, mate. It's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like that. my default thing. I just start putting it in and then I look and I just double Yeah, it was Corican, of course it was, because <laughs> like, it wouldn't be anywhere else. Why would it? Why would it? Um, mm. But yeah, on that note, while we're, we're talking New Japan Strong, we might as well talk it. Uh, Crash TV cousin in MLW, which <laughs> is that a fair comparison? <laughs> the similar shows aren't they? Except yeah, one is uh, one's more sports entertainment, one's more pure wrestling. Um, and yeah, you oh. know, JP, you moan every week that I'll, I'll leave. I yeah. heard you on the weekend on the news update this morning saying Benham only gives me three minutes for these topics. Look at this, got half an hour left here, Gareth. Let's have a big chat about MLW the week. That <laughs> only that's JP. We'll leave let's, time for let's uh, break it down. We can't. I haven't got half an hour to break down for MLW, like, and I'm always already done me bit i wasted it on the weekend well not wasted it but i i threw it on the, on the weekend show where the, genuinely the truth and i feel terrible for it i really did only realize that mlw was the the lead into it uh, to dynamite this wednesday when i was bored looking for something to do 
put on my Google TV and it popped up on YouTube that MLW was airing at that very moment. And I'll tell you what, JP, what a way to uh, get ready for time. I just throw some some MLW on if you'd ever mentioned it at any point. Um, no. <laughs> I could have enjoyed it this entire time. So I specifically cover the results of it every single week. <laughs> Like, I think I just thought sure it was head to head. I just assumed it was on while Dynamite was on or after Dynamite when I was in bed already. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I just wasn't listening. I apologise, JP. I wasn't paying attention to the grapple calendar as uh, you've told me off for. So as long as it stays <laughs> yeah. on a Wednesday, 12 o'clock, JP, I guarantee you I will watch it uh, every week. Um, so there you go. There's a promise. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Gareth, you uh, you caught this one and you were saying you got to... I'm expecting some detailed notes for you on this one, Gareth. MLW TV, you know. Big matches, big stars, big star ratings. Lots to say. There was a lot of adverts. Um, was, <laughs> was that lawyer on? PN News. PN News, Stephen P News. There was definitely a part where I was like looking at the timings and I was thinking, fucking hell, is this main event going to go half an hour or something? And then actually between the second match and the main event, there was a good 35 minutes of adverts and general just bullshit content kind of thing just dragging it out to to, to fill the hour but um but yeah oh god yeah while you're talking there about watching um Brody King and Tom Lawler having a match uh, that was right up my street. I was there watching Gino Medina and um, <laughs> King, Mo, King Mo and the likes you know it was, uh, I love JP's burials of Gino though like on the daily updates one of my favorite things <laughs> you hate him so much He's shit. He's shit. <laughs> so shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Can't get around it now. And it was a shit match, wasn't it, Gareth? <laughs> I didn't even rate it on the app. I would have given it a one star if I could have. Like, Rocky Romero is a very professional wrestler. Maybe he can drag it out to a one and a half. A match happened. <laughs> Well, in my notes here, I've written that I give it 2.75. I don't oh. know if I did or not, because it, because I've literally wrote Gino Medina versus Rocky Romero. Rocky Armbar wins 2.75, so I don't know. What, I don't, I've got nothing in between, and I've got nothing in my memory to fill in the blanks in, in, in between. In nothing fact, you could probably put a, you could put, a, put a picture of Gino Medina up on the screen now and like in some kind of like... You know, crime watch e-fit thing, and I, I don't know if I could pick him up from pick him out from the line. To be honest, so I, don't, I don't know where I've got to that from. Um, oh. And yeah, the, uh, the the next match, obviously, uh, King Mo against um, Robert Martyr. I've got 0.5 stars for that one. King King Mo wins with a side choke. He's like, bad. I'm sorry, but like King Mo's time in wrestling, JP was like how many years ago in Impact? Like seven years ago, when he was Dixie Carter's bodyguard or whatever the fuck he was. That was the time when he had a bit of juice behind him to be like, oh, we're going to make this UFC fight for the wrestler. No one gives a fuck about King Mo. No one knows who he is. Why are they wasting the time for these one minute shit matches? Yeah, he was never that big a star. He's awful. That Lambert's Um, good, though. He's good value. It's an excuse to use. The best thing is. The best thing he's ever done in wrestling is when he's being interviewed by Dave Meltzer about MMA after a Bellator show, and then they just start talking about the Young Bucks out of nowhere, and he just starts going into fucking wrestling, and you're like, oh, this bloke's really into his indie wrestling. He's like talking about PWG shows. That's his best contribution to wrestling. (laughs) Anything in the ring. Leo Rush, Leo Rush propped it with a promo, and um, that just gives me awful flashbacks to, like... WrestleMania weekend and just watching Leo Rush <laughs> half arse it on uh, on indie shows there, and I thought yeah. like 
Yeah, given the uh, given the level of uh, what I've seen on MLW, uh, that probably feels like that's going to be more of what I'll be getting out of Leo Rush as well uh, next time I tune in there. So that wasn't one that made me uh, particularly excited for his uh, middleweight title match that was going to be happening with Myron Reed further down the down the line. That just felt like something that I could have been watching at fucking two a.m. on IWTV or something like that a fortnight ago. So <laughs> that didn't sell me either. So uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly uh, particularly good start. However. Yeah. The main event, I don't know what you thought about this, Benno, but I really like, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this to the level that I gave you at three stars. So Fucking that's uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's very much in um, having that's sat here and, 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 and laughed at the volume of under two star matches in MLW. This felt like a <laughs> five star classic on the MLW scale from uh, what we normally like pick it out here. But it was it was nice. It was that. Um, well, I'm a star and a half, student. so I'm going to need you to talk me into this like you did Darby Allen. Oh, so, come oh, on. I quite liked this. Uh, so it was TJP against, uh, how do I pronounce this? Bukudau? Bukudai? Bukudai. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it was a. Uh, I thought Not they got the story now, across. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said. That was, that was five star. Um, <laughs> the, um, they, they, they got the story over um, quite well. The student against teacher thing, I thought. I thought it was quite good with like TJP sort of like bullying him very early and then like breaking up the hope spot and you know tjp getting on top countering moves been one step ahead with him being the teacher and um um sort of telling that little story but then um then um Bukaki getting the win there at the, at the end with the, uh, <laughs> Bukaki always with the, uh, with the uh, cheekier flatliner from the top rope for the one two three. Uh, I thought it was a uh, thought it was quite nice because I thought it was going to tell the story that could go the other way where the teacher got the better in, but no, you got the uh, you got the the uh, happy uh, happy baby face win at the end there. The teacher coming out on top, so yeah, no, quite, like, quite, like, quite, quite, <laughs> quite like this as the uh, as, as that little student teacher dynamic in, in in that match, and yeah, nice little uh, nice little three star gentleman's three. Yeah, I went gentleman's one and a half. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said, but like, <laughs> I kind of just want to go, yep, star and a half. I just I think for me, like, I just I find like Buku Dao or whatever, like he's just. He, I don't know. He's, he's just rough, rough as any. And it did. You could see the seams of the match. You could see TJP was literally walking him through every spot, and he looked out yeah. of place several times in the match for mm-hmm. me. He's rough, but that's the kind kind of guy I get it. You know, you're MLW in that position. You know, he's he's a unique guy to have on your roster type of thing, worth giving it a try. But yeah, I think that was where, where it where it lost me. Um, maybe starting off a bit harsh, but. Temple it was, it was, to change it. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it was it was six times better than King Mo against Robert Martin. That's why. <laughs> fair, fair. I can't argue with that. <laughs> Who's who was top of the P what was happening in the PWI rankings? Did they go through that at all? It was Is that the top yeah. ten? Because Filthy Tom was yeah. near the top. I think Hammerstone's still one, isn't he? Is he now? Or, or is it, yeah, the open or is it both champion. of them? Like, uh, I think yeah. maybe, yeah, that. Yeah, there was a, there was a Lost Parks um, promo you would have enjoyed, JP. That was a uh, oh. that was a little highlight between the uh, the first couple of matches. I'm always uh, I'm always into uh, LA Park cutting promos on El Jefe. Um, there was that. What else happened on wrestling? Court Bauer came to talk about the um, oh. the TV deal. Bit weird though. We're getting mixed information on it because I swear he said that they were ending 
because I, I was going to make the joke like the the week I discover MLW is on, I say discover, realize MLW is on right before Dynamite. He literally said, "We're about to end the season." You were talking about like yeah. the, the the maybe this. I think it was this week's show. I think it was the, the show the week after yeah. is going to be the end of season episodes. So I thought that was weird. Like I haven't caught on TV to do that because doesn't sound like that's what's he's, actually happening, does it? He said, he said they were taping in July. He yeah. Said, with people with fans, the, the, that was the idea, wasn't it? The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The new season was been taped in July, so mm. so I mean, I took it as oh, they're having two months off. Yeah, that that yeah. was the way it felt to me before he was rudely interrupted by Contra. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Give them their proper name. Come on. <laughs> is, is there a way to not be rudely interrupted by ISIS? Like it's always going to be rudely interrupted. <laughs> you yeah. never want them there. <laughs> I mean, if you go from court mail to a beheading video, it's probably like, <laughs> like, um, but it, it's it, yeah. I got well. It's very funny. I mean, like you say, there's a lot of mixed messages on this because I thought the idea was to have them deliberately on after Dark Side of the Ring, and that's starting up in what just over a week. Maybe it's old sick, shows. Maybe we're we'll getting it wrong. They don't want to be putting on those underground. I mean, I, again, what Satoshi Kojima winning the sort of you know, first championship at MLW Reload. Oh, they love um, that. They love that. St- Steve Carino and the Extreme Horseman. Oh, like, that's, you know, like that's that's not really going to cut the mustard. I mean, there's a novelty value to that, but you don't want to be putting that kind of stuff on. Like You want to start off with a bang? You want to throw that? Because they're teasing yeah. Hammerstone and Fatto, aren't they, to mm-hmm. merge the titles. that You launch with that, don't you? Surely. Oh, yeah. yeah, odd. You'd have thought. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're asking JP is the MLW whisperer to explain this to us, but <laughs> I'll, I'd I'd happily give a go trying to whisper that company. I mean, it's it's inexplicable at times. <laughs> I just admire them for picking people really at times by random, and at times you end up with a Hammerstone who I think has got something really about him. I agree. Like he needs to go somewhere. Like, Imagine he was I, in I Jack Swagger's spot in there, the inner circle. Like at least the, yeah. before the momentum then with him, I think you could use him maybe yeah. for something else. There is, there is definitely something there, like, and it's just a case he needs to be working with better workers, which means wrestling somewhere else, frankly, um, and that's part of, and that's part of the thing with him. But they take these punts on people, even like Richard Holiday, True. who, like, as got a wrestler, the spot, didn't he? He did, and that's what the whole dynasty was there for. I remember saying it at the time, like, I think the point of the point of having um, doing death matches was to get Mance Warner over, and then he left, mm. and then the like. You know, it was all about getting Jacob Fatu to that kind of next level where he's believed. That's why LA Park put him over. But yeah, they're a they're a fascinating company. There you go. We'll leave it at that. Fascinating fascinating's a word. <laughs> With many meanings. <laughs> uh, so you know, one man's three point seven five is a, is another man's three you know, different type of three point seven five. Um, it's another scale though, the MLW scale. I love it. <laughs> a one and a half is a gentleman's three. It's it's <laughs> perfect, isn't it? Very true, but I'll tune in Wednesday. JP. I'll keep this going. We'll uh, we'll talk it again uh, next week. But do you want to give you a, a little bit of time to uh, yeah catch us up on the uh, on the Champions Carnival? I believe uh, you were in a set member of the roster's uh, Instagram stories the other day, uh, willing him on, and you know seems to have made all the difference. Now, oh. JP. Oh, it has. I've caught up on Chitara. <laughs> that was a bizarre thing. I did on the way home from work. <laughs> He's said like he was on Instagram live, like, and I just like uh, been listening about the champions carnival and i was like slightly like kind of pissed off 
And I I said to him on there, so it's a fucking disgrace out there booking you, big man. And then hashtag Cronky out. Um, just just in case. I wanted to check what kind of fan he was. I was like, all right, mate, how legacy are we? How much of a legacy fan are you? Shataro, you know, we're going to test this out. Well, he's had a barnstormer of a week. He's won twice since then wow. in, a, in a good match against Shuji Ishikawa. And he uh, defeated Shinjiro Atani in a couple of good matches, which... I mean, I'm not going to go kind of massively in-depth into the Champions Carnival. Like, it, it seems a bit more interesting. Maybe this is just like the greatest bit of underdog booking that we've ever seen because, um, like, I'd be fascinated to see what what they do with this. But he's won twice. He's up to six points. There's a load of people on eight points. There's still a, a, a few matches left. The thing with this is, if you just left it on in the background, you get a series of eight to ten minute long matches that are generally quite stiff, quite well worked, and are kind of fine, like for the most part. And then what there's been is like I, I would recommend watching Zeus versus Kento Miyahara. It's not like one of their kind of classics, and they did that on night one. Um, but I thought it was really good. They got really good chemistry. Zeus can work main events. That's the thing with him. He's not like the greatest wrestler in the world, but he can certainly work kind of like that, almost like that kind of main event style. And it was under 20 minutes. Mm. So it wasn't like overstaying its welcome. And it's front of very small crowds if if you've seen it on there. But like watching Miyahara, like he's just a master at pacing a match. And he, he seems to make it the stuff that should normally feel quite dull when they go to the outside suddenly becomes like a bit more captivating. So that's good. I'd recommend that. I think I went four, I think I went 4.25 for, for that one. And then I went, um, uh, yeah, the other stuff on the, in, in terms of the other matches on there, there's, there's loads of stuff I've got to catch up on in between, mm. including most of sort of day seven uh, as well. Hopefully, soon enough and it depends what's happening with the car with the carnival so going to kind of empty arenas i don't oh, know yeah, if that's to close it out Friday, mm-hmm. yeah because of the the covid restrictions so that kind of ruins that i think stardom cinderella tournament might effectively end up being cancelled as a result of this so like it's it feels like he's going back into kind of lockdown mode again so we may be seeing a bit of an end of the Puro scene. I know we've had to cancel shows. They're still doing the one on Thursday, the um, Kitamiya versus um, Muto match. Mm. But then I think that in, in and of itself might end up like that might be the last kind of big show they do for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Japan for a bit. Yeah. As and doing on the, the app, Gareth, like as far as like ratings go, because I was having a little look today. Like, and I, uh, it's one of them where, like, a bit like a New Japan show, all the undercard matches have got like five votes. But then you get to the main events and they're doing like, you know, 50 odd people are, are getting in and rating them. So, like, it does seem like people are paying attention. Yeah, I think yeah, it feels like it's one of those things that people do, you know, they are picking and choosing, you know, they're just mm-hmm. going straight for the matches that whether or not they're, they're using the app to pick out the, the best ratings or whether it's just something that they're just seeing a bit of buzz on. But yeah, when you look there, you know, you know the better matches you can get to the, that level on the app. The Miyahara Zeus match is the one that's you know, as JP said there, that's the one that's that jumped out for him. It's the one that's jumping out on the app. It's at three nine eight average on the app, so essentially it's averaging out as like a four star match has been the the best of the tournament bit, um, there. But then you went, you know, you have got like the Miyahara Suama match, Suama Uriagi, yeah. uh, um, Suama Zeus. You know, so just combinations of those guys really at the top end there. You know, you know. 
putting out stuff in that 3.75 to four star range so again if, uh, if if that's your thing then you know clearly there's been a been a handful of matches there that have been uh, been been in the mark to a certain level it's a good contrast to new japan at the moment where it's very sports entertainment this is just no frills big lads lumping into each other in that kind of all japan style and sometimes it can be good sometimes it can feel a bit dull and plodding but you know what this presentation of wrestling at the moment is something that I, I'm more happy to see than anything New Japan related. Mm. I've, I've pinned my flag to the Noah must. So, uh, <laughs> He's a Noah guy. guy I? I haven't got time for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an MLW guy now, so that's my excuse. Um, but, yes. <laughs> did you want to mention uh, quickly before we go, JP, that MCW show? Um, yes. And I, again, I mean, this is going to feel like a kind of a repetition of, of anything else. I'll, I'll go through this because this, again, is really good fun. Like, I think with this, because it, it exists in this entire bubble where there isn't these kind of big name imports coming in, it's all local characters again. It's all the same stuff I said last time with this, but it was a good, fun monthly show. There wasn't anything like kind of wrestling-wise that went above... I think I went 3.75 on one match, which was Slex versus Mitch Waterman, because I thought that that was good. Um, but it was it was interesting. And again, if you're spending like and and you know, um, full disclaimer, like I was, I sent a screen a copy of it. Really enjoyable. Like it's two pound eighty two. And think of the way worse ways of spending two pound eighty two than like watching a show. Given the state of some of the the beer in this country, in particular, I can't I can't see see anymore, not post lockdown. Well, yeah, everything's London price. It would get you possibly a third of a decent craft beer, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. But for this, like, I I just really enjoy the presentation of it. It's very very clear the characters are. There's a lot of investment in youth. I mean, there's stuff about it that I'm I'm not necessarily mad about, which is like Lockie Hendricks, this kind of Australian wrestling legend who has this Australian wrestling legends contract. And there's a whole kind of backstory for these people. It's pretty tricky to kind of pick up on at times. He kind of interjects himself into the Inter-Commonwealth title match and sort of made it a three-way. That was with Caveman Ugg, who you might well have seen from PWG, and a guy called uh, Richie Taylor. He just sort of became a bit uh, sports entertainment then he came out into colour commentary later on. And then when he was on colour commentary, he was quite good. He was like a heel colour commentator, but actually he wasn't like just outright always disagreeing with the host. It wasn't like the annoying heel type. And he was quite good. And then he came out again at the at the end. He kind of broke character. He was going to interject himself in the world title match. And then he got taken out by one of the guys he screwed over in the first match, Richie Taylor. So like I've, I didn't enjoy that stuff. But when he was on commentary, I actually thought, well, this guy's quite good. Just have him on commentary. Mm. Like, that's his role. And then he's doing a like a kind of a, a storyline piece, which is the, the thing about this show, again, production values, spot on. Like, this is just an easy watch from that perspective as well. Um, a lot of the, uh, yeah, the, there was stuff on the undercard that was just sort of like, like Avery versus Kellyanne. It was, it was good. It, but it was very short. So like, I, I think I went two and a half on it and I enjoyed the Kelly M character. I'm kind of intrigued to see, like it was interesting, but it was so definitive. Um, there was a guy who's making his debut called Ant Cava um, out there with like Skylar Cruz. And it's all very stereotypical kind of what I imagine Aussie bro type to be. And he was in there with this guy called Mikey Broderick, who just does loads of squats. And do you know what? It was fucking fun. 
for what it was. They weren't reinventing the wheel. But in some ways, if you're bringing through new young talent, this is the kind of stuff you have them doing. Get that connection with the crowd, get the reps in the ring. Absolutely fine. You can get on board with this as well. And like, again, it was it was just like a kind of very much by, you know, a standard kind of basic professional wrestling match, but was always kind of fun with some good comedy spots. The main one was Slex versus Mitch Waterman. And I think, again, I said this about Slex last month. He's good. He's like a consummate pro, but he can kind of do a bit of everything. Because mm. like when he was down on the mat, he was good. When he's in the air, he's good. And he's up against the guy who won the ballroom brawl, which was like the Royal Rumble event they had. And he's part of a tag team called the Brat Pack. And they basically push, like trying to get him up there as a, as a bit of a singles. And he loses to him. But it's one of these matches where like he goes for a spiral tap. And that's what his downfall is. And then Slex kind of taps it in, who's basically saying like, he's like a gatekeeper of the promotion. But you get this, and I've got, again, don't know too much about the storylines, but I'm kind of like, yeah, this is this is kind of good fun. What was, um, and then after that, you talk about like kind of like, they had a guy who was finished third in the Commonwealth Games. He's in there as this kind of monster figure called Jake Andrew Arthur, which is spelt really weird. It's like Andrew and Arthur is one word, but with an A at the end. It's like, <laughs> but, but he did, he's basically like, he was taking on three, three on one elimination match. He's just squashing people. Um, and it was kind of fun and it was different and the live crowd liked it because that's the other thing. There's a full crowd. There's like, that was full I don't know how many. It is, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's it's what they can do now. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's why I was, I was thinking about Aussie rules because there's a few people from here from Geelong and I was like, oh, it's my Aussie's rules team, that one as well. So, like, I was kind of getting on board with a few of these. That guy, Rocky Monero, who's one of my, like, kind of favourite like kind of regional heels at the moment mm. as this kind of really smarmy guy. Oh, he is great. He was in there against another flashy dude and he beat him. He does kind of all common sense moves. So the flashy guys do the flashy stuff and he's like, nah, fuck this. I'm just going to put a knee in there and it's going to screw you over. And it's great. And then in the main event, our old friend, Benno, Adam Brooks. Oh, he's, he's around. There. He's the MCW champion. I mean, yeah, Brooks, he, loose legs. He was pulling on that smile, wasn't he? When we when we were speaking to him, and he was very much in Aussie backpacker mode, being <laughs> literally having been like pulled away from a woman he'd never appeared to have met before in his life. In, like, <laughs> she pulled him event. away from talking to us as well. She did. <laughs> Which is it was the better option. Yeah. Yep, I you know in hindsight, you know, God, that's I don't I, t- I don't take any insult to that at all. He didn't get. A, I don't think he got a fair crack of the whip over here. I just think he was used badly. Like he tried to like do this weird Osprey thing in both Rev Pro and yes. Progress actually, and it just I don't know, just didn't feel like they followed through properly. He wasn't used to his, you know, his best in his best way really. You know, whether he was a heel or a face. Just didn't work, and it felt like something that came in as well when Brit Rez was still hot, and for whatever reason, mm. he didn't really connect, did he, while he was here? It was a shame, though. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, d- I never thought he landed. I, I, you were expecting so much more of him from what you'd like read when he was coming yeah. over. But I remember I remember watching him at shows and just being like, why is, why is this guy supposed to be any better than <laughs> anything else that we're watching here? He, he sort of felt like a level yeah. below a lot of the, you know, the uh, hyped imports that we'd, we'd had in probably the 12 months prior to him coming over. Mm. well here I mean in terms of him as a wrestler I kind of think that the part of the problem was is because of the Osprey stuff we expected him to be flashy mm. and he really kind of isn't yeah. he's like a kind of good all rounder character and in a lot the, of ways he is and he's he's very much sort of character but he's he's got a bit of poise to him mm. and I think he's signed to Ring of Honor he certainly was at one he point was, as yeah. well Um, and 
they've sort of built up a story of his kind of career. So he, here, he completely works. And he was in there against a guy called Danny Psycho's absolute fucking unit of a man covered in more tattoo than man at points. <laughs> but like he's, and he's like, this is where you're getting into your MCW history. He was like the first champion. So it's like the first champion versus the current champion. And it was like, it was fine. It's probably about five minutes too long. Um, but again, it was like a kind of a, a good match, sort of bigger guy kind of beating him and squashing him down. And in the end of it, they announced they're doing Robbie Eagles versus Adam Brooks next month, which made me think, I'll watch that. I like Robbie Eagles. I'd be happy to see him in that kind of environment. I'm glad for Adam Brooks. I'm glad that he's kind of like, effectively, you think of how young he was when he came over. Like, and I joke about him being like kind of Aussie backpacker when we met him. But do you know what effectively he was? He was a young lad who was travelling the world, wouldn't have really known himself. He's gone back home. He's wrestling a bit more. He feels a bit more kind of sort of grizzled. He's in around like some some good talent. So yeah, MCW, it's it's well worth your time. Don't go if you go in there expecting to see sort of five star matches and the like. It's it's, it's you're not really getting that. What you are getting is effectively stuff that is of the same quality as like a lot of the impact, but without like, but you're so pleasantly surprised mm. and you think, yeah, these are, these are good young wrestlers who are going to go somewhere and seeing how WWE loves to sign Australian wrestlers at the minute and sign another couple in the last week. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 they're churning out talent because there's lo- there's other promotions that I never even get a chance to go into as well. So I was going to say, Enjoy it while you can, yeah, with these signings coming up. They'll probably be NXT Australia will probably be plonked in there in about 12 months' time or something like that, and the uh, Aussie fans will be moaning about uh, things in the yeah. same way that we've been. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure there's an Aussie equivalent to, to us doing a Road to Ali Pali podcast as we speak. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, anything more on that, JP, or anything else you want to mention before we, uh, we do get out of here? No, that's I didn't watch the Rev Pro show in really enough detail for it. My catch I up mean, on that arcade. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that. I but... think outside of that, I've probably gone through a whole list of stuff there for people to watch. But I actually have to think it was quite a decent week in wrestling. Mm. It was. God forbid, for the most part, some some good matches for people to kind of dip in and out of. A lot of three point seven five stars around. Uh, oh but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. We should uh, leave it there then, uh, Gareth. Anything you want to uh, plug from the uh, the grapple ends before we go? No, just same as always. Download the Grapple app at Google Play or App Store. Just search for Grapple. I don't think I need to say no E at the end anymore. <laughs> um, I think you all know by now. But uh, yeah, okay, just give us a follow on Twitter as well at Grapple app. Awesome. JP? Uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash grapple. You can find me on Twitter at JPGP. Um, yes, as we mentioned, Wrestling Society X, daily updates, weekend previews. We're going to be doing a um, top five um poll as well for for patrons to join in on so yeah get on board look forward to that just a quick note people might have started to notice like ads appearing in the uh in the free version of uh of the podcast hopefully they're not too um intrusive uh, working on the other uh, timing of them i believe the time and last week's one wasn't great uh, i think i think davy portman was telling me he got an advert for what was it? It was like a cancer charity and Popeye's chicken at two hours fifty-seven minutes. <laughs> it's like okay, I'll uh, I'll work on the edit. Yeah, I think it's it's all like because it's through Red Circle. They like, they pick things that are of local. Like it's that's 
specific to him. Not everyone will have got Popeye's yeah. chicken, but no, they'll obviously as well for patrons. I'm going to be putting a version of the podcast up that you know has no ads as well um, in the in the Patreon feed. I think that's uh, that's fair to do too. But hopefully, yeah, they're not too uh, too yeah. distracting for people. But I, I had a visa ad, mate. Did you? When I when I put it oh, on, because the other thought, was money, this is money, very money ABC well. one, isn't it? This is <laughs> like. Are we the demographic you're going for? Do you not want to be on a Formula One podcast or something? <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. So let me know what are the interesting ads. Did anybody get any for Blue Chew or anything? Because we're after them for a sponsor. Manscaped, if you're out there, you know, give us a shout. Uh, yeah. Like a, we could Shave your bollocks, take the pills. Oh, there imagine. we go. There's your ad. There you go, JP. Perfect man to wear to call those out. But yeah, I did want to mention that. But yeah, as JP says, uh, like I say, uh, unedited, um, untouched version of the podcast will be over on the Patreon. All our other stuff's on the page on as well as the uh the backlog but yeah other than that follow me on twitter at benson richard e and we will be back again to do it all again next monday night cheers all bye Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.